Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Bat Around coming to you live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. The Bat Around is brought to you by Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I am your host, Paul Valley. Joining me, as always, is my immeasurable, incomparable co-host, Zach Goodman. Zach, how are you this morning? Kind of words for me there, Paul. I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm pretty, pretty good this morning. I was telling you before the show, it's been like a week of sitting in traffic for me. I've been sitting in traffic everywhere. And then we get here this morning, and there's like a whole bike race going on right around the corner. Which yeah, I, and an I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. They really pull out all the pomp and yeah. circumstance for these cyclists. And we were talking about it, and it's... Uh, it, the, the middle of the pack to the front of the pack is all people who take it seriously. Yeah. They're wearing their cyclist yes. gear, looking like a bunch of Lance Armstrongs out there. Like they got the glasses, the whole outfit, like the the sponsors on the jersey, like they got the whole thing going. I'm pretty sure I saw Floyd Landis in there uh, coming <laughs> back after all those steroid allegations, trying yeah. to make his way back hey. up to the Tour de France. Starting Never know. In his little uh, Hamden cycling contest <laughs> here in Baltimore. Uh, but then in the back, it was like all the people in their yeah. families yeah. wearing their jean shorts and t-shirts. It was... Uh, hey. It, w- it was it was a sight to see, that is for sure. You aren't <laughs> kidding about traffic. Traffic has been crazy everywhere all week. I had to sit in it quite a bit oh my. Uh, myself. I, not as much as you, apparently. I think I sat in like six hours of traffic this week. It I'm was, not even exaggerating. Not it's, it's just been insane. And then and then you get here, and there's a, there's a whole uh, Lance Armstrong fest going on. It was absolutely, the traffic was absolutely atrocious all week, yeah. everywhere. No good. Uh, hey, before we get started, you know the... the, the how our opening theme and the guys going peanuts, peanuts. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's Stan. Oh, I think oh, it's definitely Stan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely Stan. Yeah. I've listened to it and I've thought this in the yes. past, but I'm like, that's that's 100 percent Stan yeah, it yelling is. peanuts, it is. which is I don't neither here nor <laughs> there. But hey, look, the Orioles, uh, they're not good. That, that that's no and that, way, and that's, no and that's way. Putting it, putting it. Kindly, yeah. uh, but they did snap a an eight game losing streak last night. Still seventeen straight losses on the road because they, uh, yeah. they were back home last night. But they 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 beat the Blue Jays seven to one. Go figure. They have to put Bruce Zimmerman, their second most consistent starter yeah. uh, of the year. They have to put him on the IL with bicep tendonitis uh, yesterday. They recall Thomas Eshelman, who had like close to a seven ERA in Norfolk. And he gets the call last night. Chance Cisco DFA'd to make room for Eshelman on the 40-man roster. Yep. What a far fall oh my for gosh. Chance Cisco. He was the Orioles' top prospect yes. just a few years ago. And when Adley Rutschman got drafted, they were talking about how they might have to move him to first base or the outfield or second base to keep his bat in the lineup. And now he can't even hit minor league pitching. He can't hit a fastball. Yeah, ball. he was hitting like 180 in AAA. It was, it was a real struggle and, for him down there. And he, he's no longer with the organization. Quite the fall. For Chance yeah. Cisco, um, but go figure. Tom Eshelman comes and he makes a start with his close to seven ERA at AAA, and he takes a no hitter into the fifth inning. And this is the guy who's the stopper of this <laughs> right. eight game losing right. streak. Thomas Eshelman, who led the Orioles in wins last year with three, had a three nine nine ERA, comes up with his seven ERA and takes a no hitter into the fifth inning. He almost got out of it. With a double play, yeah. The Blue Jays reviewed it, had the umpires review it, and it, it, the guy was clearly safe. Yes, at first base. Another horrible call by the like. What are you looking at? Some of he these men, he was not even by right. far safe. It wasn't even close. Cedric Mullins beat one out la- earlier this mm-hmm. week, and it, it wasn't even close. And they called him out, and they had yeah. to, and they had to. It's just 
just a waste of time. What, what are we looking at here? Like like, not, it's not even close. No. But anyway, he, he he's removed with two outs in the in the fifth inning because look, he took that no hitter into that inning, but he gave up a home run with one out, gave up a walk, a base hit, a bunt base hit. They wanted to get him through five. Right. They want, but in in this case, I have no gripes with with Brandon Hyde taking him out because. You want to get him through feeling confident. Right. I, I think we know the book on, on Thomas Eshelman now. He's a guy who really excels through the first time through a lineup. Really and solid once, opener. Right. Once he hits that second time through the lineup and guys start to catch up to his 89-mile-an-hour fastball and that's topping out at 89, it's not quite as effective. And, and Thomas Eshelman's stuff has never been really that good. It's you know He might be able to locate it wherever he wants, but it's not even like the curveball is some 70-grade curveball or something. It's probably like a 50-grade curveball. So he doesn't really fool guys at the velocity he's throwing and with the stuff he's got. Uh, and I remember Stan on the on the postgame show asked Tom Eshelman, he said, you know, you, you kind of are what you are, so how do you expect to kind of, you know, you, you have to really be controlling things if you don't have the, the stuff that you really need to have to get through innings. So he's a first-time through the lineup guy, and guys will start to catch up to him the, you know, the second and third time through, and I think that's what we were starting to see when he got pulled. But I think he's proven that there's a role for him oh, yeah, yeah, on this yeah. team. Um, I mean, look, he's, and this, he's, he's a second round draft pick. Yeah, yep. You know? I, I remember he was ranked like 119th in that draft, so a pretty highly ranked guy. Um, who came I, out of that? I remember somebody talking about how in college he faced off on a Friday night against Walker Bueller and mm-hmm. outdueled him, beat him. Wow, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he has pitch ability. He's not going to blow you away, but if he can locate, just the one walk last night. If he can locate and hit his spots. You know he he can be serviceable. He, clearly, there's a, there's a place for him on the major league yeah. roster, um, but so like you said, he gets figured out the second time through, and, right. and that that was becoming clear yesterday. Solid opener, solid um, long reliever, a bridge the gap type of guy to get to your to the back end of your bullpen. I do believe there's a role for him on this team. I was glad to see him come yeah. up and succeed. Look, give me Tom Eshelman and four innings, one earned run all day from what Matt Harvey's been giving the Orioles over the past few starts. Oh, my. Oh, oh he, he like, looked like on. Cy Young compared to Yeah, compared it's, to it's not even close. I mean, like you said, he has a role in this team. It may not be the, the starting pitcher that's going to throw seven a night, but it's a guy who can give you you know three or four innings in kind of an opener role and then let your, your better half of the bullpen work, uh, work out of it, like Tyler Wells, Tanner Scott. These are your guys that have been excelling. If you get five innings of one or two Run ball, even three run ball out of Thomas Eshelman. That, so it's it's a it's a good thing. Like it, it is it's, a, it's not like when I say it's a win, it's not a, necessarily a win in the game, but it's a win for your for exactly your, yes for your rotation right. and your bullpen. It's a win for your team, like a like a moral. It's a, exactly a moral. That's a perfect way to put it. And Tom Eshelman, he's capable of doing that. You know, once in a while, his ERA last year was was pretty high, but like you said, he won. You know, three ninety nine. That's not high. Three, oh, it was actually that low. Okay, his ERA that's, was three ninety nine. That's pretty year. good. But you know, we we've seen the struggles at Norfolk. I saw him when I was down in Norfolk, and he struggled a lot. But clearly, there is a role for him, and in, in some capacity on this team. Well, and in Norfolk, I think uh, these guys might be licking their chops when they see a guy like yeah. Thomas Eshelman. We're at the major league level; these guys are seeing ninety five to one hundred every night. So sure. it's easy. It's, to, it's, a, it's, it's a big it's difference. It's easier to keep yeah. them off balance. Like you said last week, the gap between AAA and the majors is maybe the biggest it's ever been. But a guy who's who, who throws that soft, right, can get by. I mean, and it, he's not Zach Greinke, right? He's no. not Zach Greinke, but not Zach, throwing Zach, these these Zach, seventy eight pitches. Yeah, Zach Greinke gets away with uh, a mid eighties. Fastball yeah. these days because of pitch ability, and that's what right. Thomas Eshelman and has. great now, stuff. Uh, uh, other uh, other standouts last night, of course, 
Cedric Mullins. He oh goes gosh. three for four, two homers, a hit by pitch, four RBIs, two runs scored. Austin Hayes snapping out of that um out of that uh over eighteen uh, streak, but oh, it, it, it was he snapped out of it the night before. It, well, he he had had, like an, R, he had an RBI single on Wednesday. Uh, home run on Thursday in the afternoon game, okay, and then yeah, he had right, two right. two for four last night with a walk, stolen base, and an RBI. Freddie Galvis and Pat Vallega each had two hits apiece. Um, Galvis with the RBI double, which I couldn't believe he got to second base on that. Yeah, he really hustled that out. Couldn't he believe really it. hustled that out. Um, Orioles bullpen, unsung hero mm-hmm, last night. Mm-hmm. Four in the third innings, one hit, one walk, seven strikeouts. The Orioles pitching as a whole held the Jays one through four hitters. We're talking Marcus Simeon, uh, Bo Bichette, Triple Crown frontrunner Vladimir Guerrero yeah. Jr. and Randall Grichik hitless in 16 at-bats last night with 6Ks. 0 for 4 for the Triple Crown frontrunner and 0 for 4 for Oriole killer Randall Grichik. So definitely great to yeah. see the Orioles pitching last night. Really, really kind of take this this game by hold and say and tell the Orioles we're not letting you down. We got to give some credit to Tyler Wells, man. He has been so good. Phenomenal. Tyler Wells has been you put him in now and the confidence is right up exactly where it needs to be. Like he is he is the most confident I've ever seen, you know, Tyler Wells at this point. He's coming out there and he's locating, he's throwing really good pitches. I mean, he just looks like a guy right now who the Orioles can use in high leverage situations. I don't know if this is going to last through all, all season, but right now he's a a very effective pitcher. He is a it's, far, it's been fun to watch. He's a far cry from the guy we saw Oh yeah. In April. Oh yeah. He's far definitely cry. come a long way. And maybe, you know, maybe Chris Holt has been a, a big part of that. I don't know. Well, I think that you saw how bad the Orioles pitching was when Chris Holt was gone for an extended period. Yeah, that, that was during issues. like the the uh, the, the fourteen long, game losing streak right. and all that. Um, since he's been back, the pitching's been a lot better. Yes. Matt, uh, Matt Harvey aside, the pitching's been a lot better. Um, Tanner Scott seems to have bounced back. Yeah, he's, he's pitching he's, very he's, well. I think that's like eight or nine straight uh, yeah. scoreless appearances for him. The walks are down. The strikeouts are back up. I think that this is a direct result of Chris Holt. He's throwing the slider a lot more. I've noticed that. He's kind of using that as his location pitch. Instead, it was it was the opposite before. He would try to get ahead with the fastball and then use the slider as the out pitch. Well, it's now crazy. he's trying to get ahead with the slider. He's the fastball You see him pitch. in games back in May, and I remember there was one game. He threw something like 20 pitches. Or twenty, it was. It, I think it was like twenty-seven pitches in an inning, mm-hmm. and he only threw six fastballs, and they were all balls, yeah. and, and they weren't yeah. close. His slider has been his go-to all year because it's he. For some reason, it, it, it's it's the upside down here. This guy can locate right. his slider right. yeah. and has no idea where his fastballs go. Right, has no clue. Um, but he's looking a lot better, looking like that reliever that we saw last year. I've been hearing Jason Lockham for talk and Ken Wyman. On Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Both have been on the show multiple times. Yep. Um, I've been hearing them talk again about trading Tanner Scott. I don't want to trade no, this guy. No, it doesn't make any sense. It, it you, doesn't make any sense. Especially when you're probably not that... Despite the record. Despite the record, you're not that far. No, no. From... Getting back and not maybe not contention, but being a competitive team. I mean, I, yes. and the la- and the last thing you want to do is get rid of relievers that can get guys no. out, especially when they have four years of team control left. I understand that you want to try to sell high on some of these guys, but I'm not sure Tanner Scott would be selling high. I think he's only getting better. You know, lo- the location, the stuff, it's only getting better as he goes along. I, I do not see a point in, in in trading Tanner Scott. There, it, it would literally. 
this is the point of a rebuild, right? I mean, you're try you're trying to find prospects, you're trying to find players who are going to be on the next competitive team that are at a decent age, you know, like Tanner Scott in you know his mid twenties. That's kind of the goal of this rebuild. You found a guy like Tanner Scott, why trade him? That's that's a piece to build around in the bullpen. You can say, okay, let's build around Tanner Scott. Maybe a guy like Paul Fry, yeah, maybe you could trade him. You know, maybe yeah. maybe with Paul Fry you're selling high. Maybe you don't see him getting better. You know, he's already 28, 29 years old. That would make a lot more sense than trading a guy well, like and, Tanner and, Scott. And it's not that Paul Fry even necessarily needs to get better because he's been phenomenal all yes, year. Yes, he has. Which yeah. is so crazy because of how bad he was in spring training. But which, again, you can't buy into anything. In Jake Fox, 10 home runs. Yeah, you can't buy into right. anything in spring training. But anyway, a guy like uh, guys like Dylan Tate and Hunter Harvey and Tanner Scott and Cole Salser, these are guys that you keep in your bullpen. And it, it's crazy to say you build around them. Yeah. But, but they you are, build the they, bullpen around they, them. They are key cogs to your team being successful. Because right. if your bullpen is terrible, you aren't going to win games. And that's the bottom line. Right. And this idea that these other guys present that, oh, well, you can find a reliever anywhere. No, you no, can't. No, 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 not, no. Not, not like Tanner Scott. The, not the, like Tanner Scott. Darren O'Days and Zach Britton's and Tanner Scott's, they don't grow on trees, the man. The stuff is amazing, and, and, and they know how to use it. Tanner Scott, his peripherals... I amazing. I think his whiff rate's like 89th percentile. His fastball yeah. spin rate's 95th. His slider's like 99th. The guy is an elite... Top tier reliever. Yes. Who needs a little bit more control. Right. He will take his, you know, he will take his lumps sometimes. He will have some outings where he'll he'll really miss with the control. He'll really, you know, not be able to figure it out. But he has the majority of outings where he is dominant. He reminds me of Errol Chapman in a lot of ways. You know, he's he's very simple. He can't locate the fastball like Chapman can, but he has I hate that Errol Chapman. Oh, I don't like him I either. Him. But just, just as a player comparison, I'm not obviously not saying as a personal comparison, but as a player comparison, they remind me of each other. Yeah. It, the electric arm, the ability to get swings and misses, the ability right. to get guys out. Fastball uh, slider combo. Yeah, yeah it, it just you're you're absolutely right. Now, Aroldis Chapman, any time that he gives up runs and loses games, I'm the happy. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. I, I, I'm like a pig in in, in crap. Uh, I, I I can't stand that guy. I think he's just a horrible, horrible, horrible. That human may being. be the greatest a pig in crap. <laughs> that yeah. may be the greatest thing I've ever heard. He is a he is a horrible, disgusting human being, and I wish nothing but failure for him. And and look, I'm a nice guy. But Aroldis Chapman, piece of human garbage. Anyway, a uh, lot of a uh, lot of bad news for the Orioles yeah. over this past week. Uh, Ch- we mentioned Chance Cisco; he was DFA. It's just another disappointment of the rebuild. Uh, Zimmerman, yeah, placed on the uh, placed on the um, ten day list, list. A- along with John Means, who your two most reliable starters are no longer in your rotation. Uh, D.L. Hall shut down with elbow tendonitis. MRI came back clean, but he's still going to be out a while. Definitely and, the most concerning one to me. And, and 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 this is a guy that's never pitched more than 94 innings. And yeah. you're, you're looking yeah. at him. He's a 44th overall prospect in all baseball. Uh, he's at Bowie. You're looking at, at him potentially being a part of your rotation at some point next year even. Mm-hmm. He's got to get innings. He's got to yeah, get innings. Yeah. He's, got, he's got to build up that stamina. Uh, he, he's thrown what? 45 innings at best this year. Probably more than that. Probably more than that. But he's got to th- to get innings under his belt, and it's concerning that he's having elbow issues. Even if it's just an... I have elbow tendon. Everybody yeah, gets tendonized. Yeah, sure, sure. You know what I mean? It's, it's concerning that 
he's thrown as few innings as he has, and he's need, he needs to be shut down right now. That 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 can't happen. That one, you know, Zimmerman, whatever, um, you know, multiple other moves, eh, whatever. But this one, Dia Hall, this is the one that concerns me. I don't like elbow issues. It, it always throws up a red flag to me, and I get a little bit concerned about that. So I hope it's nothing. You know, MRI came back clean, like you said, but I can't help but be a little bit worried about this and the fact like you said that he hasn't pitched a ton throughout his minor league career so far yeah they've been limiting his innings every year since he joined the team right yep, uh, yep. now look this is only his fourth professional season but look at looking at this um 94 and a third innings in 2018 is his career height 80 and two-thirds not a in, whole lot in 2019 didn't pitch last year pitched a lot at the alternate training site but then this year 31 and two-thirds innings mm-hmm. 31 and two-thirds innings yeah. over Seven starts, and now he's which could end up being ninety down. again. You know, somewhere yeah. around there it could end up being that. We don't know how long he's going to be shut down, but it's it's clearly going to be for a period of time that's going to be. You know, when, whenever I hear ten day injury list or anything like that, it, it always ends days. up being longer. Yeah. It, so this could be you know a two three week thing. I don't know, but it's it's definitely concerning. It, it's one hundred percent concerning, and you know you you risk this with young guys to throw a hundred. He throws 100 miles an hour. Grayson Rodriguez throws 100. Grayson Rodriguez, a little bit more polished, a little bit more, yeah. a little bit smoother of a delivery, it would seem, uh, despite what, is it Jason Stark or, no, Keith Wall. Keith Wall does not like his delivery, yeah. Keith Wall doesn't like his delivery, but you watch the guy pitch, everything's fluid. Um, but when these guys throw 100 miles an hour, there's going to be injury concerns at some point. Yeah. At, yep. at, at this point, it seems like everybody has to have Tommy John surgery at right. some point, especially with how all the torque that they're putting on their arms, all the off-speed stuff, all the 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. The, the overhand throwing motion is not a natural motion. No, and, and no. And it's no good for your shoulder, no good for your elbow. Um, definitely concerning to see this with D.L. Hall. Also, Heston Kerstad, a reoccurrence of uh, heart inflammation after suffering myocarditis in the offseason. He's been shut down. Yeah. Probably will not play this year. No. And, and now you're getting to a point... Uh, he nobody played last year, right? right? But he didn't even get any work in at the alternate training site. Comes down with myocarditis, misses spring training, gets started late uh, with his uh, his ramping up in extended spring training, and now he's got inflammation again. Yeah. Now you're looking at the Orioles instead of taking Austin Martin, they went under slot with Heston Kerstad, saved a bunch of money so they could get guys like Colby Mayo and Carter Ballmer. Who just had Carter Baumler just had Tommy John surgery. He's now throwing again, by the way. Is he? Um, yeah, he hit like he's hitting like seventy right now. He's he's ramping up um, very slowly, but he is throwing. So that's yeah, good. Well, well, he just had the surgery this past fall, so right, it's yep, still going to yep. be probably six more months till he even gets on the throwing exactly. Program. Yeah, but uh, Heston Kirst, I mean, you don't want to say it's a black eye because you can't foresee this. Nobody can yeah. foresee myocarditis. You take a guy who's the best left-handed no. hitting prospect in the draft. I get it, but I feel like. It's not the greatest look when you have, and we got to get Sand on the line if you if, yeah. if you could, my man. Um, I feel like it's not the greatest look that you go under slot. You take a guy who potentially might not play ever. I mean, this is a heart issue. If he is, you know, I, I would say that's not too crazy of a thing to say. It's it's not too crazy at this yeah, point. Yeah, you, you're have you're having a heart. You're having heart issues. You're having batting practice, you're fielding, you're throwing, but you're not playing in any games, you're getting practice in, and you're having more heart inflammation, it becomes now, baseball becomes secondary to to your health and your well-being and how you're going to live your life. And there's a, there's a real possibility 
that Heston Kerstad will not play professional baseball. And people need to come to terms with this. And look, I you don't want to speculate because I'm not a professional. My dad's a doctor. That doesn't mean I am. I there, I know nothing about this. What I do know is that a heart issue is nothing to mess around with. And you look at Rocco Belladelli, he had... I don't know if it was heart issues, but he had some issues where he would get fatigued very, very easily. Fatigued very easily when he was on the field, and he it cut his career short. Rocco Baldelli was a hell of a major league player. He was a he was a great hitter, and it cut his career short because he he couldn't he had he had an issue where he couldn't help but be fatigued. Oh, yes, on, on the field. Now Heston Kerstad, this is an even more serious issue. Mm-hmm. The 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 heart inflammation. Real chance that this guy will never play professional baseball. There is. I mean, you can't. If it's going to be detrimental to his health, which it could be, then there's a good chance of that. And I don't want to say. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to be someone who says, "Oh, he's never going to be a good player for the Orioles. He's never going to even play for the Orioles." But there is a certain chance you have to look at right now. There, there is that chance. You, you have inflammation. You have myocarditis. It's still lingering. It's not good. It's really not good. And it's not at anybody's fault. It's not Kerstad's fault. It's not the Orioles' fault. It's not Michael Elias. People will attack Michael Elias all over because Michael Elias didn't do his research. No, no, no. This is something Michael Elias could never have seen. And it unfortunately looks bad for the Orioles. But it's really, really unfortunate for all parties involved. Let's let's get Stan on. I want to get Stan's take on this if we could. Uh, Stan, how are you this morning? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're we're doing well, thank you, Zach. We will get to your sounding off segment yeah, no next. I, I, I promise. Uh, but this is something that we want to talk about. Uh, Stan Orioles' second overall pick, Heston Kerstad, reoccurrence of the heart inflammation. He's going to be shut down. Will not play this year. There's a real chance that this guy is never going to play professionally. Uh, am I right? Uh, well, I'm not a doctor, and I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But no, this this is not a great situation uh, for, for him personally, and uh, of course the Orioles uh, professionally. It's uh, it's uh, I I don't think any of us know exactly what turn this is going to take next. Yeah. You know? Oh, we um, certainly don't know, but it's it's yeah. you don't want to mess around with a heart issue. No, it's a very real possibility he might not be able to play professional baseball. And if so, the Orioles, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times there's bad luck on a, a rebuild, you know. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. bad luck on certain players when things are going great, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'll never, forget, I'll never forget the Yankee prospect. Remember uh, Brian Taylor, the left-handed yes, pitcher? Yes, got in the bar fight, 20 yeah. years ago, got in a bar fight. Yeah. Uh, protecting his brother or something like that, and tore his shoulder up and never could pitch. You know, right. so it, it's just a very unfortunate situation. And, and you're it, right to say, you know, if people really think it's it's okay to attack Michael Elias for being a jerk or something for for making this pick, I mean, they're missing the whole the the whole story. Yes, yes. I, I think people, you know, are, are going to look at this. Oh, it's the number two overall pick. You've got to do your research. But there's literally no way anybody could have known this was going to happen. It's just so unfortunate for all parties involved. Really, it's just it, it's yeah. something that it, you know hurts Kerstad. It hurts the Orioles, and it's it's really you know obviously we've got to worry about Kerstad's health too. I guess outside of baseball, that's something we have to think about. Yep. Uh, yep. And and, that, and that's first and foremost. Yeah. And, and, yeah. If, and if he's out there in practice and he's getting the, the reoccurrence of the heart inflammation, right. you wonder how he's going to be. Now, you do. Uh, I will say you do move more 
when you're practicing. Yes. You, you get yes. more work in when you're practicing. The game's uh, slow, game is slower than practice, and that it's sure. designed. It's you can stand in right way. field the whole game and never get a fly ball. It's just yeah. yeah. So right. so th- there there is that to it. But first and foremost, he got he has to get his health under control, and then we'll worry about him playing professionally after that. Hopefully, yeah. this is just a, a, a minor setback, and he'll be back and ready to go in spring training next year. But it certainly needs to get the health under control. Now, another. Um, Unfortunate thing on another on a way lower level, Cedric Mullins having an MVP caliber season if you played on even a 500 team right now, but he's 10th in outfielder voting uh, in the All Star game. And Zach, you have something to say about this? Yeah, I do. Um, it got me thinking about the whole voting process and how broken I think the voting process is. You look at all of these these fans that are voting for the players they like. You know. If big fan bases come together to vote for all of these these players that may not really be all that deserving. We're having these fans, you know, just like in 2015 when the Royals had a really good team. You know, they they went very far in the playoffs that year. They had four starting all stars because won the of, World Series, and they won the World. Yeah, it's true. They won the World Series, and the the whole fan base came together and voted four all stars onto that starting team. And sure, they might have been you know guys that that maybe a bit. Omar there. and Fonte hit like two. Omar and Fonte year. is one of the guys, right? So you you can't have fans be the end all be all essentially, right? I mean, you can't have the fans say Cedric Mullins is not deserving of the All Star game because fans don't care about the Orioles. Fans outside of Baltimore do not care. A fan, you know, a Yankee fan. Let's just say a Yankee fan, just you know, hypothetically here, looks at the Dodgers and they say, "Oh, that Cody Bellinger guy. He's a pretty good player. Let's vote for him because you know the name. You know, you know, you know Cody Bellinger. He, he's in a big market. He's a you know, even if he's not having that great of a year, former MVP, former MVP, right." Just because you know Cedric Mullins plays for the Orioles, he's being technically discriminated against in all-star voting because no one is voting for this guy because he plays for a small market team. There's not big fan. You know the Orioles don't have this massive fan base to come together and vote for Cedric Mullins like the Yankees do or like the the Dodgers do or whatever. And they, he doesn't have the name recognition of some of these guys. Why don't we let the players choose? Who uh, you know who's the, who's the all-star team, or why don't we let the stats actually choose? You know, whoever has the best stats, that should make sense. Well, yeah, and you look at and, and Stan, I definitely want to get your opinion on this. You you look at um, Mike Trout is leading outfielders in voting. He hasn't even played. He for hasn't like played half the year. He, he hasn't played since mid-May, and there's right. a real possibility he's going to be out until the All-Star break. Right. Uh, he's first in voting. Cedric Mullins is tenth. Name and he, recognition, and he, and he leads the majors in hits. Uh, Stan, what's your feeling on this? I agree with Zach that I think I, I can understand the fan voting getting the starters in there, but after that, it should be player and manager based. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, I I'm I'm old enough, guys, to remember the the ballot stuffing by the Cincinnati fans yeah. back in like 1957. This is what sort of took the vote away from the fans was how. Uh, all the Cincinnati fans, and I guess back then at Crosley Field, they were they were a high attendance team at the time, um, and they stuffed the ballot for all. Actually, it wasn't it was out of the newspaper. They, there was a thing you mailed in, uh, and they put in like seven starters from the Cincinnati Reds, nineteen fifty eight, and Major League Baseball said this isn't fair. So they created this system, and now what do we do? We uh, every team is touting their guy to stuff the ballot, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But but certainly there are there are 
are some unfair circumstances that arise, and this is one of them. You know that Cedric Mullins is because of the Oriole attendance and because of the fact he has such little notoriety at this point in time. Um, he's being sort of discriminated against. You know, oh, and, and not I'm... intentionally, but uh, it's you know, I just I'm not a huge fan of the of the um of the fan voting. I'm just not a huge fan mm-hmm. of it. You know. The I or- saw the care for years I'd sit out there when you used to pinch the little, you know, uh, tab off the thing and you hear fans talking about who they're gonna vote for and it's just they're not informed. Right. They really right. aren't. It, it, it's like when I was a kid and I would just see, oh, Ken Griffey Junior I'm going to vote for him, even though I had no idea what he was doing that year. Exactly. He was always deserving. But you you see the names that you recognize, and you vote for them, despite the fact that maybe they aren't having an all-star caliber year. You can't tell me, and God love Cal Ripken, you can't tell me that in 2001 he was having an all-star season, and he was voted the starting third baseman in the all-star game because he was Cal Ripken. But he he hit 230 that year. Yes. You can't tell me he was an all-star. But that's how it goes. I do believe that the fans should have a voice, and I think that if if you want to vote in the starting nine for each team and let the, right. that be the fan decision, that's fine. But after that, the reserves, the other players, should be chosen by players and by by management uh, to be on the roster. And look, if the Orioles were in contention, if they were even a five hundred ball club, maybe not a five hundred ball club, but if they were in con- in a playoff contention sure. spot, Cedric Mullins would be an All Star. Yes, and, and honestly, I believe he will be. I still believe I, 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 man, man, Trey Mancini is fifth in first baseman yeah. voting. You have to be top three to make the team, right? right? Man, managers are going to put Trey Mancini on the team. I, it, I would think so, too. They're going to put him on the yeah. team. He's a lock. And I think they're going to do the same thing with Cedric Mullins because the players around baseball know what Cedric Mullins is doing. Right. The, the players also deserve more of a voice. If the fans get this much of a voice, the players deserve more as well. And the st- the simple stats should also have some kind of say. Cedric Mullins is hitting three twenty two this year, and he's leading the majors in in, in hits. Hits. He's yes. five foot eight, yeah. and he has eleven home runs. Right. And yep. He's on pace for twenty five homers and twenty eight steals. Like a nine thirty nine OPS. He's yeah. been incredible. He, he's and his defense is otherworldly. Yep. He, yep. He's deserving. I do believe he will be there, but it won't be from the fan vote. It'll be a manager puts him on the roster. Uh, Stan, not a great, yes. not a great week uh, of news for the Orioles. We were just talking about. We already talked about Heston Kerstad. Uh, D.L. Hall shut down with elbow tendonitis. Bruce Zimmerman joins John Means on the uh, on the injured list. Uh, Thomas Eshelman gets to start last night and actually takes a no hitter into the fifth inning. Uh, not great news all the, uh, at all this week. For the Orioles, uh, how does this make you feel about this? I guess not make you feel about this rebuild, but you know it, well, it feels like you know it's when it rains. It, you know, not everything's going to go smoothly when you decide to push the button on a rebuild. You don't get like some some great luck comes from uh, the man above, you know, who says everything is going to go right. You know, it's it's part of the process is yeah. uh, suffering some setbacks and suffering some things. Uh, I'll just tell you though that Tuesday night Zach and I, not together, but we we both were out at Bowie, and that was a real positive night for Oriole fans. Yep. Um, uh, Grayson Rod, it, it was, it was. Look, he wasn't unbelievable. I, I guess you agree with me, Zach. I don't think I was like uber impressed with uh, Grayson Rodriguez that night, but yet I saw uh, what this young man can do. Uh, and I was really impressed because I hadn't seen 
uh, Rutschman play games since like August of uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really impressed with what he does. And I think he probably went over four that night. Uh, I think he walked one time. Yeah, I believe he, he was over little, three of the walk. He looked a little overmatched, uh, frankly, offensively, but I still walked away and said, I, I love this kid. You know, the, yeah. the, the way he catches, the way he interacts with his teammates, he was even serving as like the bat boy for one half inning where he would run out and get his teammates bat out of the way. Um, he's just a very special player. And when you watch, uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm not making fun of chances go. Nobody, nobody roots for somebody to have a terrible career turn. Uh, but when you look at what we've had catching games over the last three years, mm-hmm. it's just going to be such a breath of fresh air in 2023 when this guy's the regular catcher. You also, I think, have to consider when you and you just mentioned it—the the leadership that Adley Rutschman will bring to this team. That maybe a guy like Chad Cisco wouldn't have. So, you know, Rutschman you know, he helps out the pitcher so much, but he can also help out the team oh, by just God. being Every that inning, leader in the Zach, you, I'm sure, Zach, I'm sure you saw it. Each inning, when the goes out final and out the of pitcher, the yeah. inning, he goes yeah. out and engages with the pitcher, and he's and been doing that since college. I mean, it's just. Uh, it's just something very special. It's yeah, just, it, and as far as Grayson Rodriguez, real quick, um, I, I thought he was good. I, I saw him in Wilmington uh, when he was with Aberdeen for his opening night start, and he was actually better there. But um, mm-hmm. he was he was pretty decent. He gave up a few hard hit balls uh, later in later in the game that ended up being the two earned runs. But I thought he competed. I thought he pitched pretty well. It, it's yeah. it's pretty impressive that he had an off night. And an off yeah. night two, with two, earned, was, right, with two yeah. earned runs and yep. six strikeouts. It was a. Um, I was watching the game while I was while I was uh, doing a job. I was watching the game on my phone, and the first two innings he looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah. He gave up some hard hit balls yep. in that third inning, but for the most part, I was impressed with what I saw. Yeah, and, you, and he's going to take tell this guy's a special pitcher. No, they, you know, he's going to be special. Absolutely. And, but the the coolest thing about about all of this, Stan. Is how many people showed up to boot yep. for the for yep. this? It just yep. shows about, you. I think they had about six thousand people out there. It just goes say. to show you. And Steve Molesky was talking about how you couldn't. You a lot of times you can't get people out to the out to Bowie because of the, where they're located so close to DC mm-hmm. and all the traffic, the traffic and all that. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show how starved we are yeah. for good baseball in Baltimore. And you better believe that when the Orioles are good again. That stadium's going to be packed. It's going to be packed because you can tell by by the fans that are attending these minor league games to see these Orioles' top prospects play. I went to a game in Aberdeen. I, I watched Adley Rutschman's debut at Aberdeen, and yep. Aberdeen usually sells out anyway. But yep. it was a sellout crowd. It was electric there. I, I watched him I get was his there first. As well. I watched him get his first I professional had, hit. I had, I had one part of the experience that was bad, uh, and and uh, I wish the folks down in the uh, community of Bowie will fix this. I'm not that thr- I've been to Bowie Bay Sox Stadium probably 15 times, okay? And it, I hadn't been there in two years. So when you pull up to where you make the left, the way I came from Baltimore, you're going to make a left into uh, Francis Scott Key Stadium, right? It's Prince George's Stadium. Prince I'm Ge- sorry. Yep, yep. That was it. It's Prince George's Stadium. So I'm pulling up, and it's rush hour traffic, right? Yeah. And the sign says, Bowie Bay Sox Stadium next next left. Next yeah. left. Yeah. And it's I not. move over to the left lane and I'm going to this doesn't look familiar, but it said next next left. 
It was about 75 or 100 yards. And I pull in, I make the left-hand turn, I wait for the arrow, and I immediately go, this is not the right turn. It's the next next yeah, left. It's the wrong I don't side. know who thinks that it's cool to put the word next. Next means <laughs> the next, yeah. you know, and exit. Yeah. The first time I, I went really, there to Bowie, I was really bugged by that. The first time I went there, I did the exact same thing. It's really, yeah. really confusing. I don't know why yeah. they, they do that, for sure. It makes no yeah. sense. Terrible. Well, hopefully Terrible. it's an easy fix and somebody can just move that sign a block down. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the hope. That, yeah, would be the hope. Yeah. that was the worst part of the evening. And I'll tell you, I did a Zoom with Phil Rye, the assistant GM, and uh, and um, Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice, last Monday night with Ross Grimsley. And by the way... We're going to have the assistant general manager, not the assistant, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, Jack oh, yeah, Graham, Jack Graham will be our guest this Monday night at uh, 6 o'clock. But um, Adam happened to mention that Phil brought in the new concessionaire. The food was terrific out there at Bowie. I, I have yet to go to Bowie. I tried to go to a game a couple yeah. times this year, but I couldn't get anybody to go with me. Um, yeah. I, I definitely plan on making my way down there for a game at some point this year, probably on a Sunday, but that's the plan anyway. Now, another Bowie Baysock making a little bit of news for the wrong reasons this week, Stan, is D.O. Hall. Um, elbow tendonitis, they had to shut him down. The MRI came back clean. But this is a guy who's never thrown more than 94 and a third innings in any season. Now, it's only his third full minor league season uh, with the pandemic causing the cancellation last year. But he's only thrown 30 and two-thirds innings, Stan, are you concerned that D.L. Hall isn't getting the innings that he needs and it could be a setback for him make getting to the major league level when he should? Because the, the stuff's there, the talent's there, but the, the the arm fatigue is a real thing with him. Yeah. Um, look, I'm, I'm concerned when I when I judge performance. I, I, I was looking at Grayson Rodriguez's innings pitch the last couple of years, and, you know, you, you're talking about a guy who puts up like really gigantic stats, uh, and I think are we just simply moving to where starting pitchers are four or five innings? You know, match? I hate that idea, uh, and, it, and it sure seems like that's what we're doing uh, because I, I'm sure the Orioles aren't alone in babying pitchers at the minor league level. I mean, the last thing you want to do is have somebody develop a rotator cuff problem, you know, an elbow surgery needed or something like that. So, um, you know, I worry about it as an industry. I think we're producing pitchers that are, you know, like almost tops five-inning starters now. Yeah, it's – there's more emphasis on the bullpen, more emphasis on guys who can throw 100 miles an hour for 15 pitches. I – I miss the days where you knew that your starting pitcher was going to go out there and give you set six to seven innings. And, and sometimes, and every now and again, he'd throw you a complete game. Complete yeah, games are going the way Eshelman of the dodo. La- I know Eshelman last night only pitched four, four and a third or four and two thirds. I can't remember which four it was. Four and two thirds. But, but Jim Palmer used the term refreshing. Uh, it's really different to see somebody that knows how to pitch. Might not have the most talent. Uh, of somebody and might not be able to break a pane of glass with his fastball, but it it was I, I like that term. It was refreshing to see a baseball pitcher last night pitch for the Orioles. Well, and I'm glad you brought up Eshelman because Stan, I, I feel like now look the numbers weren't there at AAA, but I feel like you're at the AAA level. You're going to have guys who 
are licking their chops when they see an uh, an 80s era fastball uh, because they can they they are seeing more they're more inclined to see pitchers at that level than they are to see pitchers that are at the major league level when they're in the minor leagues. Thomas Eshelman not great in Norfolk. But I feel like there's a spot for him on a major league team. Last year, a 399 ERA. He goes out and does what he does to a very, very potent Blue Jays lineup last night. Yeah. This is a guy who one time through the order can get the job done. That's a guy who can open for you or a guy who can come in in the middle innings and, and bridge the gap to the back end of your bullpen. I think that there's a spot on this team for Thomas Eshelman. And are you surprised it took this long to get him here? Uh, this season? Yes, this I mean, given given what our rotation's been like, and given the way he pitched last year, I I wouldn't say it's a huge surprise because there's a prejudice against that type of pitcher. There's no question about it. You know, um, look, I'm not picking that. Uh, I think it was last Saturday or the Saturday before. I really went out of my way to talk about San Francisco, and it was time for the club to really move on from them. Uh, I think that time is there for Matt Harvey. Uh, oh, 100%. You can't, you can't make a good case why Matt Harvey is with the Orioles and Thomas Eshelman's not. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, he hits all the check marks that the Orioles are trying. He's inexpensive and he throws strikes uh, and he just, he's a smart pitcher, Thomas Eshelman. Uh, I think Matt Harvey has ceased to be a smart pitcher. You know, I think Tom, I think Matt Harvey so dependent on his velocity that uh, he hasn't really developed that that know-how of how to pitch. And I was hopeful that somebody with his talent would. And again, I get back to the point that if Matt Harvey really wants to be a major league pitcher, he should be begging a team to try me as a late-inning relief pitcher. He should be. He never will. Way, that's the only way he can keep his major league career sustainable yeah. at all. Well, Stan, you, you can make the case that I could do as good a job as Matt Harvey. Uh, I can give up seven Se- runs. Seven earned? Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. In, in yep. three innings. Yep. Yep. Now, now p- give, put Matt Harvey's stuff in his veloci- velocity in Tom, Thomas Eshelman's body, and that's, yep. that, that's, that's a hell of a pitcher right there yeah. with the yeah. pitchability that Thomas Eshelman has. Now, moving, yeah. moving on, Stan, we do have – the trade deadline is going to be here. Before you know it, and yep. you're looking at Snap the teams. Your fingers and it's the trade deadline. The, you, there are some teams that have needs that the Orioles can fulfill for them. The Padres need a first baseman. Right. The White Sox, their entire starting outfield from spring training is on the injured list right now. You look at the Athletics; they have a black the, hole. The, at hold on, just one second. The Padres. What's wrong with Eric Hosmer? Somebody was saying that they, that they needed – you know what? I was thinking of Mitch Moreland. You're absolutely right, Stan. Although right. Moreland's with the Oakland A's. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right because Moreland was out there last year um, yeah. at, at the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, they acquired him late in the season. Uh, yeah. But e- even still, Eric Hosmer is about a 260 hitter. Yeah, 665 OPS this year. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. 240, the, 248 batting average, only has six home runs, so pretty pedestrian year and, from and, him and, so far. And that's a guy who starts a year hot every year. And then he kind of falls back into what this is. I think his best year, he maybe hit 280 with 
what, 25 home runs? I, I think Zach has his stats. Up sure, they're, let, paying let me, him, let they're paying him a lot of money, though. They're not That's true. They're not going to make a trade for Trey Mancini. So Eric Hosmer's best year was really with, with uh, the Royals in 2017. He hit 318, 25 home runs, 882 right. OPS. He had a pretty good that, year. That, that's what got him the contract. And that's when he, yeah. signed, that's exactly. when he signed with yep, San next Diego, year, right? Yeah. But yeah. if you look at the whole Padres lineup, it's actually been pretty pedestrian outside of, of uh, Fernando Tatis. But but I am uh, I am willing to admit that this was a brain fart on on my part in the, in this particular scenario because Stan you're absolutely right the the money that they're paying Eric Hosmer they're not going to trade yeah. for Trey Mancini although you could make the case that they could trade for Trey Mancini because he only has one year of team control left I mean you could throw Trey Mancini in left field I mean you know there's always Will Myers is playing right field right now you could move Tommy Pham to, to right field and have and have Trey Mancini yeah. play left he would be a perfectly capable option out there well that's that's a that's a discussion <laughs> for another day because Will it Myers has just hit a two homer had a two homer game last yeah, night yeah but his his numbers are Eh, not good. Well, not, not, the, not perfect. The White Sox certainly need outfield help. Now, Trey, yeah. uh, Anthony Santander um, certainly isn't doing himself any favors. It's clear that he's playing injured right now. That that, yeah. that ankle is maybe 70%. Yeah. But he, he's gutting it out. But hitting just 244, a bat, uh, on-base percentage around 270. But do you think that the White Sox should take a flyer on him because they need that much help in their outfield? I, I don't think he's a... Um, uh, uh, tremendous upgrade on uh, on what they have out there you know I mean I know uh, Eaton's back on the DL Eaton um, who I owned I traded him this week in fantasy about a, about 10 days ago uh, he looks like he's like one of those movies where a guy ages very quickly you know um, Adam Eaton just sort of went over the hill um, like this year you know um, but they'll They'll piece it together. I don't see them. I don't see them uh, as a marketplace for Santander. You know, Mancini. That that's possibly a different story. But I I think teams are going to be reluctant to want to throw him back out in the outfield. You know, I agree. Missing all of last year, not playing any outfield this year. I I don't see. <clears throat> I, that's the only good thing about Mancini's situation. I don't see a tremendous market for uh, Mancini at this point in time. And now, how about Freddie Galvis? And Santander, I, I don't see much of a market for it all. Santander, if, if he was having the year that he had last year, right, there would be a bigger yeah. market, but they, he, they he hasn't be, been good this year. They would be selling so low to trade Santander. Teams are going to lowball the Orioles for sure this year on Santander. They'll get offers. I just don't think they'll be. With the ankle injury, number one, and then you know yeah. he has like an 85 OPS yeah, plus. That's so. one base. That on base percentage yeah. thing is a real issue, though. Like two seventy career on base percentage is, I think, it's under three hundred now. I, I I don't think that we can that we can oversell the fact that he is playing injured. Yeah, and, and sure. That, that's having a serious impact uh, yep. on on his production at the plate. For sure. Now, quickly, Stan, Freddie Galvis. The Athletics are a first place team that have a guy playing shortstop who's hitting two twenty. With no home runs and fourteen RBIs, do you think that's a good destination for Freddie Galvis? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I I watch a fair amount of Oakland games because of uh, fantasy baseball, so I'm up late at night and I throw their games on. Andrus is still playing a very very decent shortstop, and uh, I think Bob Melvin uh, likes him. And I'm I can't think of the name right now. They have a pretty good shortstop. Uh, a prospect uh, who I think they would turn to in the second half of the year, but I think they like Andrus's, uh, you know, veteran savvy, and uh, 
I think he's still a useful player. I expect him to pick up a little bit in the second half. He has raised his average from like the 190s. He's hitting about 220 now. So um, I, I, I don't see Galvis as also being that marketable, but he's certainly much more marketable than uh, Santander. At this point in time. Yeah, the, the Orioles are going to be active at the trade deadline yeah. because they always are during this rebuild, right. and they would behoove them to to do so. Um, but it, we'll, we'll see who gets traded. I think we could see as many as three I players think, traded. I think Fry and Scott are, are you know, num- suspects number one and two. Oh, yeah. man, I do not want to see them get rid of Tanner Scott. But that's a topic no, for yeah, another day, I agree. Day, Dan. I agree. Um, I did want to get to your article that you wrote about Brandon Hyde and how the Orioles would pick up his option and potentially extend him, but we are at, basically out of time, and there's something much more important that we want to talk to before we that we want to talk about before we let you go. Um, Stan, you sent Zach and I an email yesterday about this pitcher uh, Sang Ho Bick, uh, who was yep. he went to James M. Uh, uh, George Mason University. Well, yep. he he played high school baseball. James uh, James M. Bennett. High school in Salisbury uh, helped them win, oh, okay. win, win a yep. state title in 2019, and then he goes to George Mason. He battled injuries as a freshman this past season, and he had to have Tommy John surgery. And there was a blood clot during his surgery, and he passed away at the age of 20. And I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on this, and I, I know you wanted to talk about his GoFundMe page. Yeah, well, I, there's nothing you can say. It's it's kind of unspeakable, you know, and the fact that. Uh, you know, his family uh, is going to need money. Um, they put together a GoFundMe page, one of his teammates, and it's GoFundMe.com slash F slash Sang hyphen Ho hyphen Bake. And that is S-A-N-G dash H-O dash B-A-E-K dash Memoriam hyphen Fundraiser. Uh, so if anybody is interested in this story, put George Mason, you know, Google George Mason pitcher who died, and you'll find this. Uh, I'd urge anybody to throw in 15, 25, you know, they're trying to raise $20,000 uh, to help the family out during this time, uh, pay for funeral expenses and all that stuff. It's a terrible, sad story. It's know? a it's an incredibly sad story, and every little bit helps. They they they're almost to their goal. They need a few thousand more. If you have the opportunity, yep. please go uh, and donate to this fund, and because uh, I know I will. Um, yep. Later on today, so, yep. so the the family definitely the needs some help. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it won't be a lot, tragedy. but uh, it'll it'll be something. And if a lot of people throw something, it suddenly adds up, and it's something. Absolutely. Stan, we got to get All a break. Right, Thank you Thanks so much for we'll mentioning talk that. Absolutely. Talk to you later, guys. Bye. See you. And that was Stan the Fan Charles joining the program for his weekly segment here in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Just want to remind you that Stan the Fan Charles has two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with different guests from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Bowie Bay Sox play-by-play voice Adam Pohl and assistant manager Phil Rye. While Stan and Gary chatted with former UMBC basketball coach Ryan Odom. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com. 
Coming up on Monday, Stan and Ross welcome Aberdeen Ironbird GM Jack Graham. I interviewed Jack for an article for Hartford Lifestyle that I used to write for a couple of years back mm-hmm. about the Ironbirds, and then randomly I waited on him at Baco at a wine event. I actually, last, I actually, he was my my direct supervisor when I worked for the uh, for the uh, Ironbirds. So he, very nice guy, for, former player, and he's yes, now the general former manager. Re- really nice guy. Uh, Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com and call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. Uh, we're going to get a break. When we come back, we're going to have Kyle Glazer, National Writer for Baseball America. Hey, this is Chris Rowland from Great Ace Memorabilia. And June 27th from 12 to 4, we want to invite you out to the first ever Tucker Fest for the Brigands Brigade Foundation. Come meet Justin Tucker. Listen to a free live concert from Joey Harkham and Dave Teeth. Jeremy Kahn will be in the Express Exterior Design Dunk Booth. We'll have food trucks from Jimmy's Famous Seafood, vendors, and a huge cornhole tournament. This is a free family fun event on Sunday, June 27th from 12 to 4 p.m. at Jerry's Toyota on Bella Road. For more information, go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great Eights with the number eight letter S. And remember, Great Eights Memorabilia, be great. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online when a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. If it's happening in Baltimore sports and beyond, it's happening on Glenn Clark Radio. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. Patrick Queen. Appreciate it, so. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is Jake. K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. Dickie V. Dick Vitale. Glenn and Kyle, two diaper dandy. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Glenn and Kyle are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon, and archived anytime. Watch Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports and listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Here it watch out. Oh, 
For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converged on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate UFC fight night experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. Watch Dustin Poirier take on the former champion Conor McGregor and get the ringside feeling with our state-of-the-art AV system and stadium seating. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Tickets now on sale for UFC 264 at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Batter Round, coming to you live from Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. I'm your host, Paul Valley. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Zach Goodman. On the line right now, the national writer for Baseball America, we have Kyle Glazer. Kyle, how are you this morning? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're, we're certainly appreciative to have you back on the program. You joined us a few months back to talk some Orioles prospects. And the new Top 100 for Baseball America came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, and the Orioles had five players, again, only this time no Ryan Mountcastle because he's graduated. Adley Rutschman at number two, obviously behind Wander Franco. Grayson Rodriguez coming in at number 11 and the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. You had uh, D.L. Hall at 44, Heston Kirst at 77, and Gunnar Henderson at number 89. Kyle, what have you seen from Grayson Rodriguez that has earned him that top pitching prospect honor? Everything you could want to see from a young pitching prospect, he's missing bats, he's showing you a great fastball, he's showing you command, he's showing you secondary pitches that are continually improving, he's showing you a big, durable frame. Again, this is still a young pitcher, there's still a long way to go, all this took place at the Class A levels. He made his first start in Double A not long ago, and he was more good than great. There's still a period here of development that needs to happen. He's not ready for the majors right now, or even even this year, really. So I think Orioles fans need to maybe cool it a little bit and say this is more of a 2022 type of thing, but um, he's a really, really impressive young pitcher. That was true even when I saw him pitching for Delmarva in 2019, all the reports in Instructional League last year. It's been consistent. This guy has a chance to be a front-of-the-rotation type of pitcher, and thus he's right there as one of the uh, – right now we have him as the number one pitching prospect in baseball, and even if – you know, other guys will come up and down because pitching prospects are so volatile. There's still a sense he's going to be very, very good in some form or fashion. Well, and then you look at the dynamic duo of he and D.L. Hall. D.L. Hall is ranked 44th overall in the top 100. He did just get shut down with some elbow tendonitis. We don't know long how he, we don't know how long he's going to be shelved. But at number 44, a where does that put him amongst the top pitching prospects? And B. Uh, what have you seen from him, and what can you really expect from him moving forward? Yeah, so I don't have uh, exactly if he's like, that makes him 17th or 21st among pitching prospects, but you're still talking about one of the 20, 25 best in all of Major League Baseball, which says something. A lot of people expect him to settle into more of that number two or three role. You know, Grayson Rodriguez is your number one, number two. D.L. Hall is more your two, three. 
Um, but again, anytime you have potentially two guys pitching in the top half of your rotation in your farm system, that's exciting. It's explosive stuff from the left side. The biggest thing with him has always been throwing more strikes, and, and that's a big thing. We need to see it improve and continue to get better as he moves up, but uh, you just look at the stuff he possesses from the left side, his age, his pedigree. There's a lot of boxes that get checked. Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez certainly is an intriguing character, but we were talking about him earlier on the show, and the knock on him right now is he's, he hasn't notched many innings in his professional career, 30 and two-thirds innings this this season, and he's coming down with some elbow soreness, which you never like to see from a pitching prospect. So hopefully that can get resolved sooner rather than later. Um, now their battery mate at Bowie is Adley Rutschman, number two overall prospect in baseball, a top-catching prospect, slashing 293, 426, 543, with a 969 OPS and 10 home runs, more walks and strikeouts. Is he as advertised to this point? Yes, this is a generational talent who has a chance to be one of the best players to ever don an Orioles uniform. This is someone that coming out of the draft, it was consistent, is the best draft prospect, the best position player draft prospect since Bryce Harper. And, you know, the the comparison I got, I'll never forget it, from someone who had been on the West Coast for a long time, a veteran scout with a great track record, said he's a Chris Bryant bat with Austin Hedges' defense. This is a guy who can win you MVP awards and gold gloves. He's every bit as advertised and the player that the Orioles' future success will hinge on. Um, Now, with Rutschman, there are many claiming that they think he's major league ready right now. I still think he needs a little bit more seasoning, but how close are those people to being right? He does need more seasoning. Again, I think people have overestimated how close someone is to the majors based off of a hot start at double-A especially. And this is especially too with catchers where so much goes into things that you can't see on the stat line. Game calling, pregame preparation, knowing your pitchers, handling different types of personalities. You always want to take it slow with catchers because things can speed up on them very, very quickly in Major League Baseball. There's a chance he will be ready later this year and in the second half of the season. But if you're the Orioles, it probably also might not make sense to call him up and start the service clock. And truthfully, while a lot of people claim service time manipulation, with a catcher, you're never really manipulating service time. The longer those guys are down in the minors to really 100% grasp all the concepts that go into catching, the better. Yeah, and this is a guy who he's played every game. This year for Bowie, he he. If he's not catching, he's playing first base. If he's not catching or playing first base, he's DHing. Is this going to be the role that he'll have at the major league level instead of catching 120 games and sitting on the bench twice a week? Will he be an everyday player in some form for the Orioles? As long as he's healthy, yeah. I mean, his bat, you want to get it in the lineup, and you know we see a lot of guys. You know, they catch you know those 120, then they'll go bounce out to first base for 10 or 20, and. Gage and some others, uh, you know, we saw Buster Posey be an example of that for a couple of years where he's catching a bunch, but as he got older especially, there are more and more games at first base. And, yeah, I mean, you want him in the lineup as much as possible. Now, everyone needs days off, but if he ends up playing 150 games and it's 120 of those are catching, 10 or 15 are at first and 10 or 15 are at DH, that's very, very reasonable. Kyle, the way I look at it is that when Adley Rutschman is called up, it kind of flips the switch of the Orioles' rebuild. It's it's kind of the sign that they are looking to now start to try to compete. Obviously, the first year of Adley Rutschman's service time is probably going to be a year where they don't really compete too much. Could be 2022, obviously. But do you kind of agree with that, that they are really going to look to as Adley Rutschman as the, the, the flipping the switch of the rebuild? 
Yeah, I mean, he's to the Orioles. You look at the comparison of Fernando Tatis Jr. to the Padres. They brought him up in 2019, and that was, you know, they were not going to be good that season, but you started to see it with Tatis in the lineup. They were 500 through the All-Star break, and then he got hurt, and they tanked the second half. But it still set the tone. It still changed the entire dynamic of the team. 2020, they're in the playoffs, and right now, even though they're quote-unquote struggling, they still have 40 wins and are one of the best teams in baseball. So, yeah, I mean, that's when he comes up, it changes the entire dynamic of the team. Now, again, he single-handedly won't lead them to the playoffs. They're going to have to have guys around him. A lot of other things are going to have to click into place. But, yes, that's generally the moment when he's up that's when things start to turn upward. And I think that we can all agree on that. I think that Adley Rutschman is the type of player that you want to surround with talent because you want to get as much out of his service time as possible. Now, another guy, Kyle Bradish, recently promoted to AAA. He came over in that Dylan Bundy offseason trade a couple of years ago. Some have said he deserves to be in the same conversation as D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. How close is he to your top 100, and are those comparisons warranted? No. Both of those guys that you mentioned before, again, Rodriguez has a chance to be a one or two. Hall's more of a two, three. Bradish has gotten much, much, much better. I saw a lot of him when he was in the Angels system, and it's a testament to the Orioles' pitching development, how much they've improved him. But you're still looking. It's, it's really, again, it, it's a lot of, you know, you're going to want five innings out of him, kind of five and dive, so to, so to say. He's, he's going to be more your number four, number five, come in, give you five decent innings, then the bullpen comes out. To be a true ace, you're going seven innings. You're, you're a workhorse. Uh, he's more, you know, good cutter, you know, plunging, breaking ball. Changeup has been good at times. It's gotten a little too firm now. But, again, it's it's, it's three good pitches. Um, I, I don't know if it goes so far as to say this next three-plus pitches, which is what Grayson Rodriguez potentially has. Is Kyle Bradish a guy that you expect to make his major league debut for the Orioles this season, considering how bad their pitching has been? Um, he definitely has a chance, but again, and this is, you know, you remember people were really saying, ooh, Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken look really good in AAA too, and they came up and struggled. Again, I think if you're the Orioles, you want to make sure these guys are up when they're ready, and if that, if Bradish shows he's ready, sure, but to be honest, it, it, it's going to come down to how he performs. A lot of very talented pitchers go up from AA to AAA, and now they're facing guys who have been in the big leagues and won't swing at your chase pitches, know how to work a count, know how to battle and fight off, and aren't phased by seeing 96 of movement. So it just comes down to how he performs. If he goes up and shoves, sure, there's a shot, but there's also a very realistic possibility he goes up and struggles and it takes a little more time. Yeah, and that's that's certainly been the case. And Zach was talking about it last week, and I tend to agree with him. The gap, it seems, between AAA and the majors is maybe the biggest it's ever been. Would you agree with that statement? It's looking like it. The minors as a whole right now, the overall level of play is awful. It's it's yeah. borderline unwatchable in the lower levels right now. Um, I would say anyone getting excited about numbers are seeing low A and high A. You always wanted to wait a little bit until AA. That's when the level of baseball really kind of got real. Um, take that to an extra step this year. If you see great numbers at low A, your only reaction should be awesome. I can't wait to see him at high and double A. Do not try and draw any major conclusions off of it because the level of play is truly horrendous. In terms of triple A, um, yes, earlier in the year, maybe just because low A would look so bad, a lot of of evaluators are saying, you know, double A, triple A is still okay. But now as the season's going on, you're starting to see some of the best guys from triple A get moved up. It's it's gotten pretty rough. There has been an opinion out there that the gap between AAA and the majors right now 
is as wide as they can remember it. So, yeah, again, I, I really would encourage everyone to not think in terms of the Tatis Soto track or of guys who are, you know, A-ball, double-A, and then the majors really, really quickly, especially now. It's really important for everyone to hit every single level because they're further away from the majors than they've ever been. Well, and somebody who falls into that category right now is Orioles um, CBA pick Jordan Westberg. was taken 30th overall, was destroying low A pitching. He had eight straight multi-hit games at one point before getting promoted to um, high A Aberdeen. And he struggled. He's hitting about 231, uh, although he has three hits in his last two games, and about 231 at Aberdeen. Is this one of those guys who's falling into that category you were just discussing, or is he a real talent that the Orioles have? So you should always ignore what college guys are doing at low A. Um, they're basically beating off on, on inferior talent. That was true under the old system as well, that you should never, ever, ever evaluate a college guy until they get to high A. And that's doubly true this year. So while obviously you would rather see him succeed than fail, and it's the right thing to do. Hey, he's crushing this level. Let's move him up. You, you wanted to wait until he moved up to assess the true talent level. Now, I will say there is a sense this is a talented player. He's going through an adjustment period at a new level. That's not uncommon. Um, but the bigger picture of, yeah, whatever a college guy does at low A, don't pay it any attention unless they're struggling because that means, oh, crap, we made a bad pick. Right. Um, but that's doubly true now. Yeah, and I think you're seeing a lot of that with uh, Gunnar Henderson, too. He's been tearing up. Uh, low A. He hasn't been promoted yet. Uh, I, I imagine that he will be, but you, you can't really... I've seen some times where he's looked overmatched at low A, so you wonder what it's going to be like when he does get promoted. Now, another shortstop in the Orioles system, he was also a uh, competitive balance pick. Number 37 overall in 2018 is Caden Grenier. L- look, there was a, there was talk this year that he was a bust uh, being that high of a pick. And on May 26, he was batting 151, but he got hot uh, his batting average raised up to 315 on June 13th. It's currently sitting at 283 after his um, most recent 0 for 9 stretch. Is with his bat seeming to finally catch up with his glove? What could the Orioles have on their hands with Caden Grenier? Most people have seen him as a utility guy. You know, a guy who plays in, you know plays around the infield a little bit. Um, you know, good player to have on your roster, not someone who's going to be starting every day for a playoff caliber team. That's been the general sense. But, you know, there have been some guys where that's been the scouting report and they've over, you know, overachieved a little bit. I think David Fletcher is my favorite example of that, a guy who everyone saw, you know, kind of a last man off the bench type. He's come up and just made so much contact and been a better defender than anyone even realized and has got a long-term contract extension and is one of the best pure contact hitters in baseball. So there's always a chance he'll exceed that. But but the general sense is that, yeah, you're looking at a utility guy. And while a lot of prospects fan types kind of poo-poo that, on a major league roster, especially competitive one, you're only as good as your weakest link. And guys get hurt, and if you don't have good bench players, you're not going to be a very good team. Good bench guys are important. Yeah, and I think that, that people would love to see a guy like Caden Grenier, who was college teammates with Adley Rutschman, but was a main cog in that college World Series championship team. People would love to see him play at a competitive level, at the big league level. And I, I agree with you. I think that he probably profiles as a utility player. Uh, but it would be nice to see him maybe even exceed those expectations. Now, Kyle, finally, before we let you go, the Major League Draft is coming up on July 11th. Orioles have the fifth overall pick. They've been linked to a number of players, including catcher Hunter Davis, Alfredo Salfrelic, and Colton Kalzer. Uh, prep shortstops Jordan Lawler, Marcelo Meyer, Meyer uh, Khalil Watson, and Brady House. 
and the Vanderbilt dynamic duo of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Orioles in under this regime tend to go with college bats. Uh, some people think they're going to go under slot with a guy like Freelick or Kalzer. Where do you th- uh, see them going? Uh, what direction with their fifth overall pick? Well, so there's a long-standing belief in the industry that Mike Elias and co. will not take a pitcher with a pick this high. That is a long-standing belief in the industry after they were burned by Brady Aiken, Mark Appel, and even you know, Forrest Whitland, J.B. Bukowskis, other guys they took in the first round have not penned out as hope. So most, almost everyone expects the Earls to take a bat. Which bat? Again, it really is just going to come down to what happens in front of them. This is a year where there is no clear number one. And not only that, there's no clear number two, number three. If you ask five different teams to line up the top five talents, you're going to get five different answers. And in some cases, one team will have three guys in that top five that another team won't have at all. And we know because we've done that at Baseball America. So it's just the most unpredictable draft we've really encountered. And, you know, that's so different from even two years ago, 2019, when Adley went number one overall we knew who the top seven picks were going to be in order. There was no question who those were going to be. The teams were locked in on them. You knew who was one, who was two, who was three, who was four in that class, and they went as expected. There's nothing like that this year. So the expectation is the Orioles will take a bat. Which bat it will be is going to depend on what happens in front of them, and no one has any idea what that's going to be. We obviously have a dwindling amount of time now until the draft takes place. So, who is the guy, in your opinion, that could make the, the biggest gains before this draft? And then who is also the guy that could drop uh, a little bit lower than everyone expects? For me, I, I think it would be Harry Ford and then Kumar Rocker uh, dropping as low as, as, you know, basically lower than anyone expects, and then Harry Ford being higher than anyone expects. Would you agree with that at all? Mm, high school catchers tend to drop. I, I think that Harry Ford is, is a good player, but taking a, a domestic U.S. high school catcher that high History tells us that would be a horrendous mistake, and most teams with their draft models know that. I think when we're all said and done, you're realistically going to see him taking more in the in the teens. Um, yeah, so obviously with the College World Series, there's going to be some performances that impact players. Right, but, right. You know, a lot of teams talk about you never want to overreact to one good start or one bad start. And I will say Kamar Rocker has a history of performing in big games, so if anything, I think this might actually help him raise his stock because he's more likely to go out and shove in the College World Series than not. Um yeah, I mean, I think realistically, you're probably looking at, again, if you're the, you know, it's just, it's, it's tough to have a draft combine now, and you never know who's going to show up in a combine or how MLB teams are going to react to a combine. Is this going to be like the early days of the NFL combine where teams overreacted to it? We don't know because MLB's never had one of these before. It, it's really tough to say, oh, this guy's going to raise his stock and this guy's going to drop it because there's just so much unprecedented happening here, and we just don't know how teams are going to react to it. Now, I know I said that was the last question, but I do have one more. If Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker are sitting there at number five and they're not drafted, uh, how can the Orioles pass on one of those guys? Basically because they're concerned about pitchers and the track record of pitcher health, and if they decide that ultimately... Get it's an everyday position player. Those guys tend to be taken up high more often than not, while a lot of times you will see good pitchers taken a little bit later. Um, again, Shane Bieber, winning signing award winner, was a fourth-round pick. So that that's how you would do it if they say, you know what, we feel like this is our best chance to get an everyday position player, and we feel like we can still get good pitchers later in this draft. 
Yeah, and that seems to be the track record for the Orioles. I feel, I feel like they take – two years ago, I think their first eight picks were all college bats. So it's something that they have a, a track record of doing. Kyle, we got to get a break, but it's always great talking to you. Great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. That was Kyle Glazer, national writer for Baseball America, giving us just incredible intel on the Orioles' top 100 prospects. Yes. The uh, prospects in the top 100, some draft prospects. The last few years, man, I've, I've kind of known. Like, I, I didn't know anything about Grayson Rodriguez. He was that big pop-up player, mm-hmm. and he's become yeah. what they, they expected him to be. You yeah. knew it was Grayson. I mean, not Grayson. You knew it was Adley, Adley. Yeah. In, in 2019. Last year, we thought we knew it was Austin, Austin Martin. Martin. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up being Heston Kerstad. This year, there's nobody. You you have no idea yeah. who they're taking. I mean, I have my preferences, but I, I don't... Michael Elias is very unpredictable. He's a guy who we he could do really anything that... He feels like, and I yeah. think it's it's going to be is almost a decision that might be made on draft day. Like they may not go go in knowing who they're going to pick at number five, obviously because they don't know who the first four picks are going to be. But I look at it this way: I, I think that Watson, Lawler, and Meyer, the three top prep shortstops, are going to go in that top five. I almost will guarantee those three will go in that top five. Now, where I don't know, and then I would probably throw Henry Davis into that group as well as a top five guy. Is it Henry or Hunter Davis? Uh, it is Henry Davis. I thought it was Hunter Davis. No, it is Henry. It's Henry Davis. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I, I do think those guys will all go uh, top five, and I don't know where that will leave the Orioles. I do agree with Kyle Glazer that I it is very, very unlikely uh, that the Orioles will take an arm. I, I just think you know maybe it's Jackson, Job, you know, Lighter, Rock, or any of those guys. It just seems really unlikely. Um, but right now, my my guy's Watson. I'm all in on Khalil Watson. I don't know where the hell I got Hunter. From. I don't. I've been calling him Hunter Davis for like three days. I don't I've, think you. When you asked the question, I believe you called him Henry. So no, I called him Hunter. Oh, did you? I don't know. I, I, I called him Hunter Davis. You call you said you Harry Ford or Henry Ford or whatever. Harry Harry Henry, Henry Ford made the cars. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I got Hunter from. Now look for me. A I I don't like taking prep shortstops in in, in the first round. That's fair. Uh, 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 this high in the first round because I ideally at least for me. I want the Orioles' first-round pick. If they're picking to be in safe, the top five, to be safe. not even to be safe, I want it to be somebody who's going to be here sooner than later. And I feel like, I feel like a prep shortstop, they're not going to be here for three or four years. I want a guy who's going to be here in two years. But if they're the best player available, okay. I also don't like the idea of having Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker sitting there at five and passing. And, and I get yeah, it. Yeah. You know, Lighter and has had some, you know, they both had their issues. They both had their issues. But and it's so crazy because that the with the Orioles, how good the Orioles are at developing pitching, which is something we have not seen since right. the early nineties. It seems like a guy like Lighter, especially, could be really benefit. You know, he, he could be really, really benefited by what the Orioles could do for him. You take either one of those guys and you put them into this development yeah. chain. And they're they're gonna be oh my god they're, they're gonna be so good right but right. this is also somebody you could say either one of them ends up having Tommy John surgery it takes them two years to get back from that their arm is no, doesn't get back to the strength that it used to because sometimes you get more velocity your arm gets stronger coming back and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like in Dylan Bundy's case sure you lose five miles an hour 
yeah. off your fastball. I mean, then you become very hittable. I just those two guys, and I'm I'm recording the Vanderbilt game tonight because I think it's going to be Rocker tonight and later okay. tomorrow. I'm watching both games. I'll definitely uh, try to it, as well. It's it's just one of those things where like I feel like they're so good. How can you pass? Yeah, I mean, Rocker, I, I think definitely has his concerns with me. Um, I, I think that it being a two pitch pitcher and a guy that sometimes struggles pretty mightily with command scares me a lot but I love the size I love the makeup I love the wind up he's very dominant when he's on uh and as far as lighter goes he's another kind of two-pitch pitcher um I think the Orioles player development could really help out both of those guys and, and take them a long way but there's obviously a certain risk factor that aligns with taking college pitching high school pitching or high school bats um you obviously have the safest Basically, the safest way to pick is to pick a college bat, which the Orioles have done the past two times. Um, and I would think would probably do again here. I mean, you look at Sal Freelich. Um, I, I think Freelich is a guy that could definitely go in that like five to seven range, but I, I feel like that'd be a little bit of a reach to me. Same with Colton Cowser. Well, there's, there's many saying that both of those guys would be under slot picks. For, for right, the, for right. Which would allow them to get better if, players later. If, if Hunter Henry, Henry, Henry Hunter Davis were, were, to, fall, <laughs> were to fall to five... Yeah. Uh, I know he's a catcher, but he's got a fairly prolific bat. Yes, and, and he would. Uh, he would be a guy that I a guy, would be a can't miss guy at five. You 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 move that guy to first base, and all of a sudden you have a first base prospect because the Orioles don't have one. Right? They, they, they yeah. have they have Tyler yeah. Nevin uh, as their first base if, prospect. If, you know, maybe Mountcastle slots in there long term, but that's something it's we just Mount, don't know. Mount, Mountcastle, we don't know. He's, yeah, he's a DH. right. And I hate to say because he's twenty three years old, twenty four years old. His defense sucks. <laughs> it sucks. He's a designated hitter. Right. Um, we got to get a break, but real quick, I want to remind you that every Monday through Friday, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer bring their pragmatic and irreverent approach to Baltimore sports via Press Boxes. Glenn Clark Radio. Watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with the Orioles prospects Caden Grenier and Jemai Jones, potential first-round pick Sal Fralick, and more. Find those interviews today in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. And don't forget, folks, tomorrow is Father's Day, so give the gift of golf this Father's Day. Tickets to the 2021 BMW Championship in Baltimore are available now at BMWChampionship.com. They're playing at Caves Valley. What an incredible course. I went and saw the Senior U.S. Open there a few years back, and it was absolutely fantastic. Got to get a break when we come back. Uh, the payoff pitch around the league and uh, Orioles banter. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. Glory Days Grill is celebrating their 25th anniversary this month, featuring their 12-ounce silver anniversary New York strip steak, the smoky thigh wings, a double bacon and cheddar burger, the strip steak sandwich, barbecue chicken bowl, and their silver anniversary turtle cheesecake. Toast to 25 more years with Glory Days Grill's silver anniversary IPA, brewed by Virginia-based brewery Devil's Backbone, and take home a commemorative glass. Celebrate by entering any of their three contests online, 
win a trip to Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, free wings, or lots of other great prizes. Enter online at glorydaysgrill.com slash 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary menu is available through June 20th. Come in for great food, good sports, and family fun. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Yeah. Le champion. Chris Jericho. Le champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Coming next Sunday, June 27th, the inaugural Tucker Fest at Jerry's Toyota, where you can meet Justin Tucker, plus live music from Joey Harcum and Dave Teef during the day, a cornhole tournament, dunk tank, food trucks, and more. The event itself is free and benefits the Brigands Brigade, but you need tickets for the meet and greet with Justin Tucker, and you can get those right now by going to greatatesmemorabilia.com. That's number eight, followed by an S. That's greatatesmemorabilia.com. We'll see you at Jerry's Toyota, June 27th, for Tucker Fest. Benefiting the brigands. Are you, are you going to go meet meet uh, Justin Tucker? That would be a. a I might go. I'm, that, it, I know. It, I'm, I'm it's a Sunday. I'm going to have a baseball it's game in the cool. morning. I might. I might. Uh, I might take Laura. No, Laura's working. 
I might go. What what the hell else am I going to do? I mean, you might as well just go by yourself, meet Justin Tucker, and get out of there. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what, what am I going to do? Sit at home and watch the Cadillac Buick there you go. Invitational Open? Yes, you must. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real thing. That's just my guess of what something would be. The Cadillac Buick Invitational. It's an Cadillac interesting Buick one. Invitational <laughs> Open at Green Spring Golf Course. Seems like something legit. What? I don't know. I do like golf. I do plan on watching a lot of the U.S. Open tomorrow. Do you like watching golf? Like, will you sit down and just be like, oh, man, this is fun? I I don't, know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I love to play golf, and it's made me love to watch golf, but I will acknowledge yeah. every time this year that I've sat down to watch golf, I've fallen asleep. <laughs> but I, it's, yeah, but I, it, it's I, also always on a Sunday true. after I've had a true. baseball game and after I've had to get up. Uh, I, I probably have a total of six hours of sleep the entire weekend, um, and usually there's been a couple of uh, craft beers t- taken down at Independent craft Brewing beers. Company. Uh, well, you go to a place like Independent Brewing Company, and they only well, have yeah, craft yeah. beers. Hey, can I have a uh, Bud Light? <laughs> we we, <laughs> like, oh. we got to get rolling along here. Um, payoff pitch around the league. Cedric Mullins continued his all-star push with two homers and four RBIs, and the Baltimore bullpen struck out seven over four and a third shutout, one hit innings to lead the Orioles over Toronto seven to one. The Padres, the, the Padres, the Pirates snapped a ten-game losing streak, but not without an eleventh straight loss. Giving an eleventh straight loss, the old college try. Pittsburgh jumped out to an eleven-one lead over Cleveland, highlighted by home runs from Gregory Polanco and Brian Reynolds. But the bullpen allowed nine runs in three innings, needing a Bobby Bradley strikeout to end the game with the tying run on third and the go-ahead run on second to claim an eleven-to-ten victory for the Pirates. Eric Fetty tossed seven shutout innings, and Jan Gomes single home the winning run in the ninth for a walk-off victory as the Nationals head off the Mets 1-0. Tony Kemp hit a three-run homer, and Matt Olson added his 19th home run, a solo shot as the Athletics took down the Yankees 5-3. In a battle of two underachieving teams, the Braves' Ozzie Albies had three hits and three RBIs to back, to back Max Freed's seven innings of one-run balls. Atlanta crushed St. Louis 9-1. Nolan Arenado went 0-3 for, for the Cards and is now 0 for his last 20. Adam Duvall homered twice, including a grand slam, and drove in six to lead the Marlins to attend a two-victory over the Cubs. Nelson Cruz had two hits and an RBI to leave the 40-year-old's average at an even 300, but a 10th inning triple by Luis Arreyes and bases loaded walks to Ryan Jeffers and Alex Kirilov proved to be the difference as the Twins outlasted the Rangers 7-5. Adalberto Mondesi hit a three-run homer, and Salvador Perez provided the insurance with a 7th inning solo shot, his 18th to lead the Royals over Boston 5-3. Carlos Rodon and Luis Garcia went pitch for pitch, each tossing seven innings of one-run ball before Jordan Alvarez collected his first walk-off hit of his career, an RBI double that scored Yuli Gurriel from first to lead Houston over the White Sox 2-1. Four Rockies had two hit, one RBI performances with C.J. Crone providing the dramatics with a walk-off RBI single in the 10th to lead Colorado over the Brewers 6-5. On the same day that Shohei Otani announced he would take part in the home run derby, the two-way sensation homered twice to pull within one of the Major League lead and drove in three to back Alex Cobb's solid outing as the Angels beat the Tigers 11-3. With his fifth win of the season, Cobb is now within two wins of his three-year total with Baltimore. <laughs> Trevor Bauer threw seven shot-out innings, and Steven Souza Jr., in just his second game of the year since being recalled, delivered a big blow with a solo shot in the three-run eighth as the Dodgers blanked Arizona 3-0. As bad as the Orioles are, Arizona's worse, and that sucks. Yeah, they, they've lost uh, 15 straight now. So Yeah, and they've lost uh, 23 straight on the road with some major league <laughs> record. That is bad. Yeah, the Orioles are not far behind. Johnny Cueto tossed six solid innings while Brandon Belt and Lamonte Wade combined for a homer, triple, and a double, and three RBIs as the Giants won their fifth straight, 5-3 to three over the Phillies. The win not only gives the Giants the best record in baseball, but also has the team 20 games over 500 for the first time since 2016. 
Will Myers homered twice, and Chris Paddock struck out 11 over five innings to lead the Pirates over the Reds 8-1. to And Yusei Kikuchi allowed just two, just one run over seven frames, and the Mariners used a four-run first inning to knock off the Rays 5-1. to And now, Zach will preview today's action around the league. All right, 1 p.m. To start the day, it's the Mets and the Nationals. They'll play a makeup game from 4-1. Uh, so they'll be starting a doubleheader at 1 p.m. The A's will visit the Yankees as Chris Bassett takes the hill against Domingo Herman. 2 p.m., the Marlins and the Cubs, they'll go to battle at the legendary Wrigley Field. At 4 p.m., after a wild game last night, the Indians will rematch against the Pirates. Dean Kramer takes on Alex Manoa as the Jays try again against the powerhouse Cedric Mullins and the Baltimore Orioles. The struggling Randy Dobnak takes the hill against Kobe Allard as the Twins take on the Rangers. The Phillies there cross country to face the Giants at the beautiful Oracle Park. Andrew Benintendi will face his former team again in KC as the Red Sox are in town to face the Royals. Uh, at 6 p.m., we'll see Game 2 of the Nats and Mets doubleheader, as I mentioned before. That one is listed as Lester versus the best pitcher in baseball to be determined. Uh, at 7 p.m., the Reds will take on the ever-fascinating San Diego Padres at the beautiful Petco Park. Uh, two vets, Wainwright and Smiley, they'll face off with the Braves and the Cardinals. A dominant pitching matchup of Framber Valdez, who's been very, very good this year, and Lance Lynn, who's also been extremely good. That will take place between the White Sox and the Astros, an ace matchup there at 7 o'clock. Uh, now for the four late games, led off by the Brewers and the Rockies at 9 o'clock at the home of the All-Star Game in Colorado. At 10 p.m., the Tigers will take on the Angels as the surprising Patrick Sandoval toes the rubber again. An NL West matchup between the D-backs and the Dodgers as we get to witness the greatness of Walker Bueller. And then coming off an excellent outing for the last game of the night, Josh Fleming. He'll take the hill for the Rays to take on the Seattle Mariners. Wonderful as always. I did text but Jeremy. More, more wonderful than last week, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, I did text That's Jeremy. Struggle. And uh, he is he is in his vehicle. Um, oh, okay. So he said that we can we can call a little bit later. So we have, a, we have about ten, eight to ten minutes for Orioles banter here. And Orioles banter today is a look around the diamond because let's be honest, the season has been downright awful <laughs> since the John means no hitter. You on don't May 5th. say. After that win, team was fifteen and sixteen. Orioles fans were feeling good. Like, hey, we're, we're I, right I, I tweeted something super positive, and it went downhill from there. So blame me, maybe. They're 8-30 and 30 since mm, then. 8-30 yeah. and 30 since then. With that in mind, we're going to look at the Orioles, determine if there's any help on the way this year uh, to bring them back to at least mediocrity, right? So let's look at the pitching side of things. John Means and Bruce Zimmerman, Orioles' two most consistent pitchers, they're on the I.L. Matt Harvey with a 3.60 ERA uh, through May 6th, right? I want to say through yeah, May 7th. Yeah, it was early on. Um, he's been so much worse than awful. Uh, he's If he gets another start, that... that and that, he will. That's the sad it's, part. It's for, he's so bad. He's, he's so, so bad. bad. And the stuff is there. And he just can't locate. Nope. Dean Kramer, he looked decent, if not solid on Monday after a tough first inning that wasn't really his fault. Uh, Jorge Lopez is good for anywhere from two to five runs allowed in exactly yeah. five innings. It's fine. Most starts. It's fine. Keegan Egan's been okay. Look, he gave up eight runs the other day. That was, he was way better than that. The defense in these games, you know, with but, Kramer and Aiken and uh, DJ Stewart falling down in left field, come on. They've man. made a major league record 137 errors this week. Awful. Awful. <laughs> they've been awful. <laughs> That's not a fact. That's no, not, of course it's not they, a fact. They, but they, they've been awful. The, on defense, it, the, the defense has been. Pedro uh, Severino still cannot catch the ball. Oh, we're getting to that. Catch the ball, we're, Pedro. He sucks. <laughs> Look, catch uh, the ball. He, he's been okay. Keegan Aiken, he's been okay. Probably destined for the bullpen, but everybody can start at this point for the, for the Orioles. In the minors, Alexander Wells and Zach Lothar, they've kind of settled in. Lothar's allowed two earned runs in 13 and two-thirds innings pitch in his last three starts, including two straight scoreless outings. Um, 
Alexander Wells in his last three outings covering 14 innings. One of those was a piggyback. Yeah. Uh, he has allowed one earned run on six hits with 14 walks. And the important stat here, zero, uh, 14 strikeouts and zero walks. The, the guy has impeccable. Uh, one of his seasons, I think when he's the Orioles minor league pitcher of the year, he walked ten guys the entire year. Yeah, he is impeccable control. Yeah, he, he's basically a better Tom Eshelman. He 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 didn't walk a batter for like three months. Yeah. At one point. Um uh, Kyle Bradish, he's been really good pitching to a three forty four ERA at Norfolk and a one ninety seven ERA overall between the tides and Bowie. Probably going to be there until at least August, if I if I had to guess. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with the newly promoted Kevin Smith. Uh, they're, they're both going to be at Norfolk for a while. The question is here, obviously, is there help on the way? No, not right now. Yeah, it, uh, it, the next help on the way is probably D.L. Hall in early next year. Well, the, well Wells and Louth are going to get a shot. Well, sure, they year. will. I just don't know how much that's How good help. will they be? Right. But, but Wells has that, has that ability to keep hitters off balance and sure, that pitchability. Yeah, yeah. Bullpen's been better. Tanner, yeah, Tanner yeah. Scott's re- rediscovering his form. Salsa and Fry continue their strong seasons. Hunter Harvey's rounding into form since his return in the outfield. Look, Hayes went over 17 in his return from the IL, but he's recorded four hits and a home run yeah, he's, in the last three good. games. Problem is, two in, two injured list stints with um, with hamstring issues. Issues, issues <laughs> with hamstring issues. He reports some discomfort the other day, uh, but sat out a game. Clearly, last night on, on a ball, that I thought he had a chance to beat out. He he was jogging, yeah, and yeah. it was a limp in the jog. Same it, as Santander, they do, they both jog on almost yeah, every n- ball. Not not running right full speed for yeah. sure. Mullins absolutely phenomenal. He should be the starting center field. He's he's the best outfielder in the American League right now, and yeah. he's tenth yeah. in all star. It's he's, a travesty. He's the best Orioles outfielder since uh, Adam Jones. Really, yeah. it really has been. Adam jo- Adam Jones has never done what, what Cedric Mullins. No, he right never now. did. He uh, never uh, did. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Santander clearly still nursing his injured ankle. But he's giving it a go, battling through. DJ Stewart, what, what more can you ask for? I mean, he's been a solid fourth outfielder and a DH for the most part. Yeah. Provides some power. Yeah. Defense, is, he, he slipped and fell flat on his face the other day. <laughs> Just um, another great gif. I'm going gonna, gonna to pull that one out at the it, end of the year. It's actually Jeff. Jeff? It's, it's GIF. It's no, GIF. no, it's Jeff. No, no, The, the creator no, no. Of, of that particular well, thing look, calls it a GIF. It's a GIF. I'm a user, so I, I, I should be able to get to call it whatever I want. I don't um, know. Ryan McKenna, he is what he is. He's a good minor league yeah, outfielder yeah. with a fourth outfielder designation likely at the big league level. Down at Norfolk, he had a four-hit game the other day. He's batting well down there, but that's probably a 4A outfielder. Right, right. And you don't like to say that because he's got speed. He's a great defender. I he, can't he, really hit that much. He will have a role on any major league team, but yeah. his role will be a fourth outfielder play twice right. a week. Um, infield, Galvis, only stability the Orioles have. Mountcastle, he's hitting again, batting yeah. 333 over his last 15 games and 286 over his last 30. But he's a mediocre first baseman. He's designated for DH. He, sure. He's destined for DH duties. Sure, yeah. Um, nobody can hit at second base, and Stevie Wilkerson is taking his hitting woes <laughs> into the field. He's made so many costly errors he in the last week. He is just so hard to watch. I, I called for Rio to be to be DFA'd. That happened. And, and I, now Stevie's there. And I like Stevie. I think he could oh, be yeah. a solid... A solid, sure. solid well, I'm a making starter. up words in this segment. But I, 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 oh yeah, Ishery. That's that's now, what it was. Now look at the minor league level. Jamai Jones and Domingo Leyva—they're crushing it. Yeah, Jones is nineteen for forty-three during a twelve-game hitting streak after two more hits last night. He's batting three forty-five. Yeah. Leyva is batting two ninety-seven with four home runs and seventeen RBIs in nine games. That's after going zero for five last night uh, with Norfolk. 
Batting 375 with eight home runs and 31 RBIs overall. Leba in 17 games. Leba at very least should get a chance. If you don't think Jones is ready, fine. But Leba, come on, bring not, this guy up. Over 22 this year in the majors. He got called up by Arizona yeah, for a cup like, of coffee. Over 22, but that happens. It's basically not that bad, much better than you know, or not that much worse. I should say than what Stevie's done or yeah. Pat Valeka. I mean, they've both been horrible. And look. Michael Franco, he's been hot recently to get that average up to a sultry 216. Ugh. But look, Dewars could trade him. They could. Uh, sure, for a, maybe like a, a Pepsi. If, if, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> nice. But you could get Jemai Jones playing second base. Right. Leba and Leba third. playing third sure. base. And at least, at the very least, fans would be entertained. Oh, yeah. That you, would. You, to, like, have, to have. Freddie Galvis being as steady as he is playing shortstop, and then you have two guys in their early right. to mid twenties with solid ceilings, right? Playing every day, Leba especially like he's been in the majors. He hit two eighty last year in, in limited chances. Why not? Wait, what is holding the Orioles back from bringing up Leba? Mike, Mike Alfranco. and and, and yeah. look, the, this is a guy that hit two seventy eight yeah. with eight home runs and played in all sixty games last year for the Royals. He's a good hitter. That's it, that's the thing about Michael. He's a good hitter. He's hit everywhere he's been. Clearly this year, there's something well, wrong. Well, I mean, he's I think he's like a two fifty career hitter if you look at his stats. Yeah, maybe, but it, it's he, not he, great. He's, <laughs> he's certainly underperformed. Uh, in his career, considering yeah, his top pros- prospect status, uh, this he could do himself a lot of good to get hot over these next six weeks and make himself a trade chip. Right. Because ultimately, right. the Orioles signed him to trade him. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they signed him absolutely. to trade him. If he gets that average of up to about two fifty, the home runs in the double digits by the trade deadline, somebody will come calling. Right. Somebody you, will you come would, calling, and that's when you'll see Leba come up and Jemai Jones come up. Jemai Jones could be up sooner than later because the Orioles are, have such a black hole. He deserves it. Like, th- this guy needs to be in the majors. He's, you know, he's hitting. Come on. Like, Stevie Wilkerson, Pat Vileka, what are we doing? A, it's not about the bat. It's about the defense. The, well, that is they, true. They, they want the defense. Yes. The, the, if it were just about the bat, he'd be here. Right. But they, he A, he was hurt for about a month. They brought him back. And converted outfielder. Convert, converted yeah. outfielder who got a cup of coffee last year. Um, we'll get to it. We, we have a second. Um, but convert, converted outfielder, uh, once they, they're comfortable with his defense, he'll be here. And they want. Yeah, th- this I would could be that. their second baseman in the future. But yeah. I- until then, Leba makes a lot of sense. He does. You know, he, does. He, he would make a lot of now, sense. Now, the black hole that is catcher, I'm just going to be blunt everybody in the major sucks. Yeah. Everybody on this team I mean, sucks. Is probably generous. Cisco sucked at Norfolk before yeah. being DFA'd yesterday. Yeah. Brett Cumberland's average is down to two thirty nine mm. at Norfolk, but three ninety nine OBP, solid. As is his eight oh six OPS. I'll take that on the major league roster any day. And look, we got to be honest. Adley Rutschman's the only answer catcher. Yeah, he is. For this team. It's, and we're it's, not going to see him until at the earliest September, and probably right. honestly not until probably honestly not until next year. What about like this is obviously a crazy thing to say at this point in the season, but what about bringing in a guy like thirty-five-year-old Buster Posey to mentor Adley Rutschman as as the as the you know to play every other day in twenty twenty-two? He will never play for any team other than the Giants. That's maybe possible. I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of guys who, who go you know for one year at the end of their career and play somewhere else. It's possible. Not, I don't think they're, they're, they're I don't think they're going to pay him what he wants. They're but not bringing in Buster Posey. at thirty-five years old. Uh, it, it makes sense just to mentor Adley Rutschman, but they're going to have to bring in someone and else outside of the why not bring in the 35-year-old this year and, and go ahead and get yeah, I, I, Luke I, I, I don't disagree at all. There's, there's got to be somebody better. Pedro Severino is is awful. And you know what? Yeah. And we, we got to get Jeremy on the line. Yep. Um, Pedro Severino had an opportunity this year 
to really seize an everyday job on another team. He had an opportunity to, to come in this year, be an all-star caliber catcher like he was the first month of last year, make himself an everyday catcher, and get traded to a contender. Pedro Severino had a golden opportunity in front of him, and he's laid a big fat egg. He's done absolutely nothing. Three strike. He had, yeah, he had defensively, a, offensively, everywhere. He 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 is he has been a big mound of nothingness. And I will be honest. I see a lack of effort once in a while. Sometimes just catching the ball is a problem. These are pitches that don't even hit the ground. And he's you know just it almost seems like a reaches lack of effort behind re the plate. Re reaches across his body to try to try yeah, yeah, and, it's, and it's, field a pitch. So many wild pitches that should have been called pass yeah. balls. So mm -hmm. many pass balls. If the Orioles have a serviceable defensive catcher behind the plate, right. They don't have a 14-game losing streak. They don't have an eight-game losing streak. They have losing streaks, but they're not that long. The, the Someone who can mentor your young pitchers and actually make them improve instead of a guy like Pedro Severino who you know, has trouble f with pretty much everything behind the plate and then at the plate, too. He's, he's been almost all you know as bad as you can be. And now we have Jeremy Conn on the line. I could have given him the intro there, Zach. You could. Oh, I just needed you to this, get him. This on is the this is me hitting mute on my mic by accident. This is me. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, we do have Jeremy Cotton on the line now. Jeremy, What's how up, are guys? you today? Good. Good. We're glad to have you on the program. Sorry, we had to push back a few minutes. We had a couple guests run long today. You heard us talking about the catching issues at uh, the major league level and even at the minor league level, except for Adley Rutschman. How bad has a catching been in your eyes, Jeremy? I mean, and this just goes back to, you know, I, when I talk about, I, I always argue with people about the MLB draft saying, I don't look at positions. I mean, obviously, if you, you know, you're, you're mm -hmm. trying to get some arms and things like that, but I, I don't look at positions whatsoever because we don't know where these guys can be playing when they get to the major leagues, if they're going to make it. I mean, we had talked about this years ago, everybody said, well, you have Chan Cisco, so you don't need to draft a catcher. Um, and now we see that's not the case, but you guys, like, <laughs> you're on the same boat as, or in the same boat as me with, with a guy like Pedro Severino. He drives watching him play um from an offensive standpoint at the plate like you know working account he'll get oh two and just start hacking away at stuff that he has no business hacking at and, and one of the big things we talk about on our show is that when guys get in a hitter's count you should be looking for a certain pitch or in a certain area you should be breaking it down that way to try to have success that's why a hitter's count is so beneficial and so many of these guys get 2-0 and then swing at something in the dirt the next play it's like yeah. how is that even possible so um, but it, with me, it all starts behind the plate with some of those guys. Like Pedro's just been god awful, man. It, it's it's a difficult thing to watch him play um, with just how he tries to scoop the ball at times, a kind of nonchalant, like throwing behind runners. Like look, when you're really good at it, it's awesome. But sometimes it's like you're just trying to be too cute, and I don't get it. And, and the the maddening thing about it, Jeremy, is he'll get a hit or he'll have a two hit game, and then the next day you'll see him batting fourth in the lineup. Yeah, and he's done nothing to earn that designation this year. Uh, and they don't have an answer. Their answer is Adley Rutschman, and he's not coming this year. Uh, no. What are they going to – Are they just going to keep trotting Pedro Severino out there every day the rest of the season? Yeah, because, like, they, they see something in him. There's there's a lot that they like, but they can't risk him as far as the 40-man goes. Um, you know, there's there's nothing they can do to, to what, move him on or, or send him down to the minors, and then all of a sudden – risk somebody else taking him and I think all of us would kind of agree it's like well, who cares at this point right. but, but I guess realistically when you're looking at it and I know people hate me saying this but I, I still stand by it like we're we're still in this rebuild no matter how long it takes and you know look I want to see them win I want to see competitive games meaningful games in August and September 
there's nothing better than knowing that football is right around the corner or getting ready to start, and I care more about what's going on in baseball than actual football. I, that's like the greatest feeling oh, to be with your team in it. And, and that's the sad part with this is that, like, we did this to ourselves. We're in this boat, and then now it's all about what's going on at the minor leagues, which all those spots look really bright right now. But, again, we'll just have to see how the guys play out. Um, but I don't care about the wins and losses. Like, we were having a conversation about when do, you, when do you look at Austin Hayes saying, okay, he's injured, he's not performing well, or like a guy like Mountcastle. It's like you, you, you trot him out there because you don't have anything better at the minor leagues or anybody that you're going to rush up here. So I, I hate saying this. It really doesn't matter who they put out there every day. That's not what fans want to hear. But ultimately, you know, they're in a race for trying to get uh, either uh, what rocker or lighter or whoever it may be. Or I'm sorry, it would be next year's draft, but they're in a race for all that stuff, um, you know, to try to figure out who, who's going to be their their top player that they're they're raising up in their farm system. And I mean, from the the output, like the farm system looks great. Like the stuff you're hearing about Gunnar Henderson, uh, you know, having the number one pitching prospect, number one hitting prospect, all those things, like they all matter, but they're still a ways away. Well, and with with that in mind, uh, as far as a major league roster is concerned. How difficult has this season been to watch? I think everybody thought this team would be better, but they're arguably the worst team they've had during this rebuild. They're awful. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really bad. I mean, because you're, well, look, you're relying on a lot of young guys, and even more so, it's not just, it's not just the the, the hitting or whatever, because I've been fine with some of the things I've seen, and you're going to go ridiculous, the, the losing streak they had before. I mean, these, these feel like anomalies, but... Um, it's not because the pitching's just so horrendous. Uh, you, you've got a couple of young guys that if you had two of those guys in your rotation, and it's not like Zimmerman's pitching terrible. Kramer hasn't been great or maybe what we expected him to be. Um, and then I would even go as far as to say Keegan Aiken, like you still got to give him some time to see what type of pitcher he's going to be. Zach Lowther being up here. I mean, there's some, some guys, but none of these guys were really the top end guys that you were expecting, like DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez and, um, you know, a handful of others that we consider a name, but, the pitching's just been dreadful, and then it just—it's it's a domino effect. Your starting pitching sucks. The guys can't go five innings sometimes, or more than five innings. And then now you're bringing out your bullpen. And realistically, like if we were to sit down and just be honest about it, how many guys in the bullpen right now do you actually trust? You know, so and if, if it were about wins and losses, they wouldn't be trotting out that flamethrower that they call a closer <laughs> that's throwing about 85 miles an hour. You know, so. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. It's just the starting pitching's been so bad, and I think it's a trickle-down effect. Well, and the the worst of the worst is Matt Harvey. And, look, I, oh. I get it. Like you just said, you know, it doesn't really matter who you trot out there because that's not what this season is about. But even on a team like this, even on the Arizona Diamondbacks, how do you continue to let Matt Harvey go out there and pitch? He's now 3-8. and eight. His ERA is almost 8. How does this guy keep getting starts? And you know the weird thing about it is when you look, and I was I brought this up this week. When you look at Matt Harvey, comparatively speaking to some other guys around the league, that's lost it a little bit. The easiest guy to point to is is Zach Greinke, right? Zach Greinke's lost his fastball, yeah, um, but he's learned how to pitch. He's he's re you know he's kind of evolved as a pitcher and turned into what he is now. Where yeah, he he might be able to get you six innings. He's probably going to strike out two, but he's doing it with smoke and mirrors and Ethos pitching. Matt Harvey still has the mid nineties fastball. It's just straight as an arrow. And the other stuff off of it, it's not that great. So in this bandbox ballpark and with the summertime and everything heating up, teams are just teeing off on him. And it's, and it's what we saw in the past couple of years. So no difference. It's almost like, you know, we, we unwrapped this present expecting something different, knowing that it was going to be the same thing we've seen the past couple of years. He has not been the same since his thoracic outlet syndrome uh, surgery. 
Um, and it's a shame because like he still does have, you know, that he, he does have a, I don't want to say a great fastball. Like I said, it's straight, but you know, he's got the velocity. It's just all the other stuff. And you can see how frustrated he is in post game, but ultimately none of it matters. I, I think fans want to see him gone. But again, I go back to what I said earlier, like does in, in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? And it doesn't, but I get it. I don't want to watch him trot out there, you know, them trot him out and pitch every fifth day because he's just been got all. So when he inevitably goes out against a potent Blue Jays lineup tomorrow and gives up eight runs in two and a third innings, oh man, it, you know what's happening. It, uh, you absolutely know what's happening. You know, he's Vlad, up three home runs. Vlad tomorrow. is going to take him deep at least once. I at mean, least, probably it's, twice. It's a, it's a foregone conclusion. At, at uh, this point. I, he might not get an out tomorrow. Now we say that, and he'll go out and go six and a third of, of three <laughs> of run ball. Of course, but that's baseball, right? It, it, how? Honestly, though, how many more starts can they realistically give him? And I, I know what you're saying, but how many more can they realistically give him? I mean, I think, you know, with what's going on now, once John Means is healthy, they could say goodbye to him. Um, but uh, it, it all matters in how much they want to trot out the young pitchers. Because, like, with all due respect, as I mentioned, Kramer, Aiken, um, you, I mean, I don't know if Lauther is going to eventually get some opportunities to get starts or how, how it's going to work out. And, you know, we, we've already talked about what Zimmerman's done. I thought Zimmerman's looked really good. Yes. Um, all, all things considered. And I think sometimes we grade the younger guys on curves. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you could do it then. But I, I think the key is not rushing any of the other guys. That You know, even watching Eshelman last night, he might be a guy that becomes a staple in the rotation and then they can say goodbye to Harvey. I was going to ask about Eshelman next because he, I think he proved something to at least some people, um, you know, just based on the fact of what he did yesterday. He was good enough to, you know, as we said on the show earlier, kind of carve out a role for himself, whether it's as a guy who's it was a starter or more of an opener, you know, for three or four innings or whatever it is. But what did Eshelman prove to you, number one? And then number two, is this a guy who can throw, you know, 70, 80 pitches, go through a lineup two or three times and still have success? Yeah, I, I think he is that guy, um, and then on occasion he'll pop and go a little bit longer or you know, be a little bit more pitch efficient, if you will. But honestly, like I, I thought he was going to be in the rotation at the beginning of the year. We saw extenuating circumstances and what happened. Uh, I didn't think Felix, you know, Hernandez and, and Matt Harvey would make it through a full season, uh, and, and Felix didn't even get to the season. So, I mean, they have like options, but it's not like the options are great. But with Eshelman, I just think he's – it's kind of another one of those stopgaps, the way that we would look at a, a VR or a Freddie Galvis or, you know, a Hanser Alberto that could come here and be okay, but ultimately they're not a part of your future. You're just using him so we don't, so we don't have to see Matt Harvey every fifth day, hopefully. But, but yeah, I'd like to see him get an opportunity. Why not? Because to me, he kind of sounds like a 4A player, but you got to let him prove it at this level right, to show right. you that he either can or can't pitch. Well, yeah, and he, he certainly did enough last year, I thought. And look, he didn't have a 40-man roster spot. The DFA'd him after the season. But he had a 3.99 ERA and had three wins to lead the team last year. Yeah. So it, it, there are certainly worse pitchers that have pitched at the major league level for the Orioles. Um, now, you did you were talking about you know waving bye-bye to people, and the Orioles could be doing that at the trade deadline. Is, uh, Trey Mancini, Anthony Santander, and Freddie Galvis are their top position player trade chips. Who ultimately do you see as being traded at the deadline for the Orioles this year? So I, I do think there's those opportunities of trades that we're not looking at, like players that could fill out a bench spot for, um, you know, a, a, maybe a team in the National League or even a team in the American League if you're looking for a situational hitter. I mean, there's stuff like that that can't pop up. And maybe Freddie Galvis falls into that range. But I look, Rob Long and I were talking about this last night, but I think he's been better than what I expected. And, you know, I, I think he's just – Guys get called this all the time, and he's a professional hitter. He comes in and does his job. He doesn't hurt you defensively. He's a solid player, and he would, I think he would do fine on a team um, 
that that could use some of that leadership and some stability anywhere on the middle infield. Uh, but but yeah, I mean Mancini's the, the prime candidate. I don't think they're moving Mullins. I don't think they're moving Means. Like everybody's talking about that. I think they'd be foolish not to listen to anything. But ultimately, those guys aren't getting moved. It's uh, some of the other pieces that kind of pop up that, that make you. Want. Are there any arms in the bullpen that uh, somebody would be interested in? Um, you know, it could probably be moved. And again, these are smaller trades, but ultimately I think your big piece is Trey Mancini. And some of the reports are like the Orioles asking price is deemed to be too high, but I mean, you still have him for control for another year after this. And, you know, he can go to a team and he can play the outfield. I'm not saying he's a great outfielder, but I don't think he's terrible. Um, and then he can definitely you know, help you out at first base. And again, we get back to it. He's a guy that's going to hit for a good average, hit for power. Um, and situationally, I think he's a great hitter. So I, I think Mancini's the key piece. Uh, me personally, because I'm selfish, uh, I don't want to see them trade him, but ultimately it matters what you get back, and I, I'm not in on these decisions, but uh, that's just how it goes, man. Well, I think that people are coming to terms with the fact that Trey Mancini is likely on his way out as much as we don't like him. I'm in, I'm in the boat with you. I, I understand it. I don't necessarily want it. I think it's a hard sell to the fan base. I think it is the big the biggest hard sell to the fan base would be trading Cedric Mullins. There's just you yeah. you you cannot make an argument for that. The, the biggest thing with Mancini too is that you've got to make sure you're not trading him just to trade him. You've got to have a legitimate right. reason that you're getting maybe a top 100 fringe guy that is, you know, closer to MLB ready. He's 23, 24. Somewhere in that area that would make more sense than trading him for two 17-year-old Dominican Summer League guys. It just has to make more sense. Yeah. Now, well, and ultimately, like, what do these guys turn out to be? I mean, the thing that we could go back, nobody ever goes back and really dives into some of these trades that either worked out for both teams, didn't work out, what happened to this player. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it gets brought up after the fact. Like, people love to bring up, why didn't the Orioles sign Nelson Cruz? Why do they sign Chris Davis? And you go back to that time, and I think a lot of things, a lot of the decisions that they made made sense. It just didn't work out. Like, you know, looking at an, an older player and letting him walk as opposed to taking the younger guy that you're going to pay and you think you're going to build around, and he just totally loses it. Like, after the fact, looking at it saying, man, what an, what an awful decision by the O's. But it applies the same way with trades. Like, we can, like people always say, I can't believe we traded Andrew Miller. Well, or I, I can't believe we, we traded for Andrew Miller and gave up on a young pitcher like Eduardo Rodriguez. But the fact of the matter is, like, he helped you get to the ALCS, yeah. and people don't even remember. Like, we didn't have Chris Davis. We didn't have Matt Weeders. We didn't have Manny Machado. And we got to the ALCS and lost in four closed games. I mean, that sucked. And then ultimately that ended up being our, our final goodbye to, you know, any success in the postseason. But some of these trades, like, I agree with you. Like, I don't like seeing trades just for the sake of trading. Like, I don't think we got back anything, any sort of value in the Manny Machado deal. But nope. Again, we'll find out. Now, Jeremy, I'm, I'm glad that you put it the way that you put it, because at the time, all of these moves made sense. Nick Markakis, they didn't offer him a, a fourth year because he had neck fusion sur- surgery. They don't offer Nelson Cruz a fourth year because he's 33 years old. Chris Davis comes off leading the majors in home runs two years out of three. He deserved that contract. J.J. Hardy was a cornerstone of your franchise for four years. He deserved the contract. Ubaldo Jimenez, the team the team had missed the playoffs in 2013. He was one of the top free agent starting pitchers. They gave him a four-year deal. That's what you do. You trade for a guy like Andrew Miller when you're that close to the postseason and he puts you over the top. It's what teams do. Unfortunately for the Orioles, like you said, none of these worked out. And it's yeah, I- it's crazy. I got an argument with a fan about the Bud Norris trade. It's like, uh, how, how do you trade a Josh Hader and look at what he's doing? It's like, Bud Norris helped you get to the playoffs. He helped you win playoff series. He, you know, he helped you get to the ALC. Like, all these things that mattered. And, and, and I get it. Like, I would, 
you know, revisionist memory, like go back and look at it. Would I rather have Josh Hader now than maybe some of those memories? Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm listening to you. But like still, one of the best baseball moments, and everybody posts it every year when it's the anniversary of it, and it pops up, is that Delman Young double in the postseason. Like that's one of the coolest moments I've ever been a part of for my Orioles fandom, you know? Right. And, and yeah. Like you said, these are moves that the team had to do, and it's just crazy how none of them worked. No, like literally, some of them worked at the moment, but none of them long term worked out for the Orioles. Yeah. It seems like they're a snake bitten franchise. Um, real quick, the last thing. Well, actually, how about a market for Mike Franco? Do you think there's any kind of market? He's only hitting two sixteen, but the bat is heating up recently. Uh, is there any kind of market for him? Yeah, I mean, if they get on a power surge and a team needs again, that he to me is another situational guy that maybe you play uh, like a National League team could look at and. You're, you're flipping them here or there for pinch hit, uh, pinch hit spot or uh, is he batting against lefties? And, and again, like if this, if the power numbers start to go up significantly, because this is the lowest batting average he's had pretty much for the entire career. Um, and, you know, you're kind of hoping in June that he gets things going, but we just haven't seen it. So I do think teams, you know, teams will be interested depending on what they're looking at. And, and the other thing is, like, what if you have three teams in the mix that are looking for a third baseman and, whatever, the Cubs make Chris Bryan available or whoever it may be. I'm just giving names and then the other teams miss out. This could be that consolation prize where you give up a low-level prospect, or extremely low-level prospect, and get back a guy like this. So, yeah, I think all those are possible, but I think the only thing of value that they'd be willing to move would, would in essence, be Trey Mancini. Well, and the Orioles, if they were to move Michael Franco, they have a couple of players at the minor league level at AAA in Domingo Leyva and Jamai Jones, who they could put at second base and at third base, and it at least would give yeah. us some entertainment at the major league level. These mm-hmm. guys are just destroying minor league pitching. It would be nice to see them come up and see what they can do uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, look, Jeremy, that's it for the interview portion of the segment, but we do play a game here. I don't know if you've played it with us or not before, but you did inspire this segment when you and Scott would do Pick to Click. We have our own segment very similar to that called Take to Rake. Um, so okay. You know the rules. When you and Scott would do it, it would be for a game. We make a pick for the entire week from Saturday to Friday. Um, so last week, Zach took Anthony Santander. He picked first because he won. <laughs> Did um, not go well. Matt Kremnitzer took Austin Hayes, and I took Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins had the best week. He went 8 for 22, one double, two home runs, four RBIs, two walks, three stolen bases, four runs scored, slash line of 363, 456, 682. The other two didn't even come close to batting 200 over the week. So I won, therefore I get to pick first. Jeremy, you're going to pick second. The only rule for you is you can't take Austin Hayes. You can't take the same player that the guest took last week. So okay. I'm going to go first, and for this week I'm going to take Trey Mancini. He had a little bit of a slump there, but I think he's going to get hot this week. Who are you, who are you taking? Well, that's who I was going to take, and I think Cedric Mullins is kind of the easy pick there, but that's not the way I typically do things. So I'm going to go with Freddie Galvis. I know he'll be in the lineup. I like the way he's swinging the bat. Uh, give me free money, Freddie. Yeah, Freddie Galvis, I was I was teetering on taking him, but I've taken him twice this year, and he's burned me Ooh. both times. So, Freddie Galvis <laughs> is the pick for Jeremy. Zach, who you, you got know, today? This leaves me with the actually pretty interesting options here. I've got, you know, maybe Mountcastle or Cedric Mullins. You know, I, I think i got to go with Cedric Mullins. You know, I'm falling behind a little bit here. Behind, I'm behind Paul now, so i gotta, I got to take Cedric for like the eighth time already. Yeah, Zach picks Cedric Mullins every other week. Yeah, he, can't take, he can't take the same player back-to-back weeks. He picks him every other I week. I did not pick Cedric last week, though. Yeah, I did, and I won. And I, 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 I would have won if I had picked him. 
when we did this, we would always have Mark Viviano on talk baseball. I mean, pretty much as a weekly guest. And he'd go, well, guys, I'm just going to go with the best player. I'll take Manny Machado. Every <laughs> single time he took him. And I was like, you know what? Smart you guy. think about it, ultimately it makes sense. But uh, that's, that's what he did. Well, see, we have rules that, that – to prohibit that. You can't pick the same player two weeks in a row. So uh, the, yeah. the current standings, I'm in first place with four wins. Zach has three. The guests have two, and there have been two ties because they were they were two weeks in a row, actually, yeah. where both players were so bad that we couldn't pick a winner. Um, Jeremy, you got you to gotta get the... Uh, you got to get the guests into a second-place tie. So I'm actually, even though I want to win, I'm pulling for you with Freddie Galvis. I got the, the uh, you know, one of the switch hitters, so it doesn't matter pitching matchups, although I do like Freddie better from the left side. But, yeah, I, I, you know, he's going to be batting right in the middle of the lineup, so there we go. I tend to like most switch hitters better from the left side, but maybe that's just yeah. me. So, Jeremy, thanks for joining the program. Always a pleasure talking to you. You have a great weekend, all right? Yeah, anytime, guys. All right, happy Father's Day. Take care. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Kahn from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. Joining us here in the Chesapeake, well, on the line in the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. And I have one final question for our guests, for, for our listeners. Are you a pro wrestling fan? If so, we have a great weekly podcast for you. As Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster, Brandon Linton, former Maryland football player turned NXT star, AJ Francis host Jobbing Out. They break down the latest in WWE, AEW, and more with an array of tremendous guests. On this week's show, Top Dollar was back to help preview this week's WWE Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Click on the Jobbing Out logo at pressboxonline.com radio or search for Jobbing Out wherever you find podcasts, we got to get a... Fi- Actually, Zach, let's get, get, give us a read. Why Bef- not? Why give not? Give us one read before we take our final break. All right. Make the most out of every day at a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid and gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. We will wrap up the show when we come back after this break. Here it Watch out! For the first time. The PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate UFC fight night experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. Watch Dustin Poirier take on the former champion, Conor McGregor, and get the ringside feeling with our state-of-the-art AV system and stadium seating. They take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. They're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Tickets now on sale for UFC 264 at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. C3 American. 
American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back to the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio for the batter round. I think I said I, I that got, backwards. I, I got to keep that Glenn Clark uh, radio music yeah, going a little longer. Listen yeah, to that. Uh, it's, it's it's wonderful. Um, it's Glenn, amazing. Glenn is having a banger he is. today at his house, and I haven't let him know yet, but I, I can't make it. I, I, if it was tomorrow, I'd be there from sun up to sundown. I love me a good rager, mm-hmm. right? Just, Paul, Paul loves himself a good rager. I just, I just, I will be in DC tonight, so there is no I, way I, I, I ha- can. Make I have it. to work tonight. I have some stuff I have to get done at the house. There's just, it, it, there's just no way I can do it. I, I have to let him know. But we were just talking about uh, Todd Zeal has this like insane. So we have this book in studio. Honestly, what a quote! Like this might be the a, a top five quote in history. Like I'm gonna give Andy Martino's book cheated. A plug here is it? Can you see this on the screen? <laughs> yes, okay. I think you can. Yeah, you can. yeah, yeah. It's um, it's about the Astros cheating scandal and how it forever tainted the game. And I'm gonna read you this quote from Todd Zeal. I feel cheated by what the Astros did. He wasn't even playing. 
As will anyone who reads this unbiased, fascinating, and detailed account of how an art form performed by the rarest of artists was turned mechanical, forever tainting the internal beauty and magic of the greatest game in the world. Todd Zeal, shut the hell up. How long did he take to write this quote? Uh, the, like, the, did, he, did he just sit there in his office it, and be like, let, two me weeks. Fi- let me figure out the, the most intricate, incredible quote of all time that we I can put on the be, back of this I book? I want to be profound. I can just <laughs> imagine him sitting there in his yeah, sweater like, vest with a turtleneck underneath with his glasses <laughs> on and a leather chair with a many leather bound yeah, like, Got a, got a little coffee with of steam a coming out of it. fire with a little with three yeah. fingers of wood for reserve sitting in his chair coming up with this profound quote. What a all quote. I, all I remember art the, form like, turned mechanical. What, what are we uh, talking uh, about? Uh, right uh, now? Art, art form, the rarest oh, of boy. artists. Like, look, whatever, man. Like, like the Astros cheated. It's coming out, but that guy Spader. On on Twitter, yes, uh, he, Ryan Spader's that so, something it? He like got that. in trouble for like leaking it, which just makes no sense. Whatever, man. Like like, if you didn't know that every team in Major League Baseball has except, been cheating, the except the Baltimore Orioles, except the Baltimore Orioles, because if they were cheating and they're still this bad, that, that, that would that's be embarrassing. Bad. If you didn't know that every single team yeah, yeah. is trying to gain a competitive advantage and they're doing whatever they can to win ball games, if you didn't know that by now, I you're mean, not paying attention. Remember cheating, what, has been rampant in baseball since its inception. Of course, remember what Kyle Ripken used to say. He always used to say, "Oh, when I stood out there at second base, we would, we, you know, we would hand signs to the dugout and all that. What yeah. pitch was coming? Of course, because every team has done that since the dawn of baseball. So, it, you know, I, I'm over the whole Astros thing. I'll be honest. I, I don't like them and I don't respect them for what they did. But at this point, it's you know so many years ago that I'm just done with it. If the Yankees had won the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. It would have come out that they were cheating. Absolutely, and, and they probably and were. In there's some no capacity. probably about yeah, it. Yeah. They were. It's been noted that they were. Uh, this guy Spader, he puts it out there. They had cameras right. in yeah. left, center, and right field pointed at the pitcher's glove, not the catcher. The pitcher's right. glove, which so is could, supposed so, to be the catcher, so they right. could see his grip. And then you wonder why a guy, and somebody said this, and it's true, why a guy like Gary Sanchez used to hit the cover off the ball, now he can barely hit 200. Good point. You really, know, really good point. I've read that and I was like, "That's an amazing point." And it's, yeah, and it's true. Well, look, look at look at the average around baseball here. It's dropped significantly, and maybe there's a good part of and of they why. want they want to move the mound back, and they want to take the 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 the, the sunscreen and rosin away. I, and I no, sound no I've sounded off on all that stuff. It's all too much change. I, I just it, don't it, care it, for it's it. It's just like just go out there. I, I pitch every Sunday. I don't yep. need stick them. You know, I don't. I don't need. Maybe Matt, maybe Matt Harvey needs to try some of that stuff. He probably is. That's probably the, that, <laughs> yeah. that's a sad thing. The Todd Zeal quote, man, shut up, Todd Zeal. I, like all I remember about Todd Zeal is that game in the ALCS in 1996 against the Yankees. A runner's coming home. He receives a relay throw from left field. He goes to throw home and he throws it straight into the ground. That is, it's feet. like what Santander did a few a uh, few years ago, where he threw it into str- just straight into the ground. From the, right well, field. the ball f- flew out of the back of his hand. Todd yeah, that, Zeal yeah, right, right, actually right, yeah. released yeah. the ball so. Low. That's he released good. it at waist level and threw it straight at his feet, well, at his own it, feet. If he's not good at baseball, he sure can write a quote. He was a, he was a good <laughs> baseball. He was a good fielder and he was a power hitter. He had 25, 30 home runs a year. Fair enough. But all I remember about Todd Zeal, really. Yeah. Is him throwing the right. ball straight into the ground? You got to pay a bill for us, right? The latest edition of Press Box is available now, right here. The one I'm showing you on the cover: uh, Thomas Kenzura profiles University of Maryland quarterback Tulia Tungavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten promise- prominence this year. Also inside, Bull Smoka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. We meet the 
Wow, that was interesting. We meet the uh, area's Olympic athletes and more. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That line just ended. You know, I did not expect that. Bo, Bo Smoka uh, breaks down the Ravens' offensive line. That was it. I expected there to be something else about the Ravens, which completely turned gears and threw that, me off. That happened in one of my, li- in one of my <laughs> was, reads today, too. I was the, one, not the one that. about Tucker Fest. That, yeah, that, yeah. That happened for me in the Tucker Fest. It's just, there was no period we in went the from, read, so it was just like it just kept going. We went from the Ravens to Olympic athletes in one line. <laughs> it's so funny off that, that, that Talia Tungavailoa did not trip you up this week like it did last week. It didn't. But we meet the area's top athletes 100% <laughs> tripped you up. Uh, Orioles are taking on the Blue Jays today at 4.05. You're going to have Manoa for the Blue Jays, 1-0 with a 2.66 ERA, taking, uh, taking on Dean Kramer. 0-6. He's made like seven starts, and he's 0-6 with a 6. I believe he's made 10 now. Yeah, I was being facetious, but like <laughs> he's 0-6 with a 6.65 ERA. Pitched much better last week, I thought. Yeah, he really. I think he got pissed off after that first inning with the shoddy defense, is. and he really started locating his his breaking stuff. Looked phenomenal. His fastball was locating. Dean Kramer looked like what we expected Dean Kramer to be. After the first thing in that start last uh, this past Monday, we'll see if he can build off that performance again. Four hundred five Blue Jays taking on the Orioles today this yep. afternoon. Yep. Uh, you did mention you wanted to talk a little bit more about Chance Cisco before we yeah, get out. Yeah, just of here. a quick thing. I mean, it is significant. We, we I, you put it in your notes, and I thought it was a really interesting point that he's one of the guys that we expected to be part of this rebuild in some capacity, and now he's not. Yeah, at all. The, the the he fell off a cliff, man. He was yeah. he was there. He was at one point their top prospect. He was a top one hundred. I think he was as high as he was like fifty. Yeah, he was around fifty. Yeah, mm-hmm. at, at one point, and was a three hundred two lifetime hitter in right. the minor leagues, and then he gets up to the major league level. They threw him sixty five percent fastballs this year, and he hit one forty. He won forty. Right, and then he goes down to AAA, and you think, okay, maybe he'll get his confidence back. He was hitting two twenty. Yeah, you know, and that was after a one for three performance, and this is after some pretty good on base numbers in 2020. But that just goes to show how 2020 was such a confusing season stats wise because things were just so you know so skewed towards either really good or really bad, and and he was obviously on the really good side of things, being like a 364 on base. Yeah, despite the low average. Right. Right. Uh, it stinks, really. It does. That, it that, does. That a guy like Chancisco, who we had so much hope for, and we were like, man, I can't wait till he gets here. I yeah. Every year, hitting three, and that's just a testament 305, to how bad the Orioles farm system was at that time. I mean, the, it was they were winning, so it makes sense. You're looking, you're looking at a guy like Chancisco, and you're like, man, this guy's gonna be something. Right. Why would they draft a catcher? I'm mean, not why would they draft Adley Rutschman? You had to, right? But it's like, well, they don't really need him. Maybe he can play first base, and Chancisco can catch, yeah. or vice versa. And now Cisco's not even in the organization. I remember in like 2017, around that time, in spring training, the Orioles were playing the Phillies. And Jorge Alfaro was a big prospect for the Phillies at the time. Uh, Chance Cisco was obviously a big prospect for the Orioles at the time. And I remember talking to a Phillies fan on Twitter saying, man, Alfaro and Cisco are going to be running this league as catchers. Right now, Alfaro is playing for the uh, for the Jumbo Shrimp in, in AAA, and he's had no major league success. And you know, Chance Cisco is now about to be a free agent. So, Speaking of having no success... Uh, remember Yomer Sanchez? I do remember Yomer Sanchez. He's batting like 170 in AAA right now. I, I and this still, is supposed to be our starting second baseman yeah. on opening day. He's batting 170 AAA for the Braves right now. I, not much different from what the Orioles have gotten out of their second base uh, spots, but it, it's really just a countdown to Jemai Jones now. You, it's, want, it's, you wonder if the Braves are okay with him because his defense is good down at AAA. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know one of the reasons apparently, you know, that that he was actually DFA'd, we were all very confused, was that they the Orioles apparently did not think his defense was very good in spring training. 
And, you know, it's spring training. Paul Fry wasn't good in spring training either. So I don't know how much stock you can put into that, but apparently that's why Yomer Sanchez isn't on this team. I don't really necessarily agree with that. I, I would have put him on the team over a guy like Rio or, or Stevie or Pat Vileka or any of these guys. Well, certainly we do hope to see Jemai Jones make it to the big league level sooner rather than later. Yes. Again, 12-game hitting streak. He batted 19 for 43 Oof. over that stretch. Um, 345 yeah. on the year. Uh, showing some power, too. The guy's an athlete. Right. I have no doubts that he's going to learn the second base position and be a, a serviceable defender. He'll be here for, for the bat and hopefully be a serviceable defender. I, I can live with his errors if that, he's going to I, I was going to say that. If, if he's making errors and, and playing a pretty garbage second base, I will actually not mind it if he's on base, you know, 330 or something like if that. If Stevie Wilkerson were hitting 280 with a 345 on base oh, percentage, I'd love would, would you care about his no, errors? No, not at all. Right. Not at uh, all. It's all about the hitting performance and... The Orioles haven't gotten anything out right. of their second baseman this year. I mean, Pat Vileka went two for four last night. You're like, oh, maybe he's heating up. That's how bad it's been. Right. I mean, two I, hits. I, I, like, maybe. Yeah. But right. yeah, between that and, oh, man, I'm so done with Pedro Severino. And I, like, I, I, the, I, the player that's currently reached my top level of annoyance this year has been Pedro Severino. It was Chancisco, and now it's, it's Pedro it's, Severino. Yeah, I, I just, and I used to like him. And I did too. I, 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 I did he, too. And he was known for his defense, not his bat. Then his yeah. bat surpasses his defense, and now they're both just in the, in the crapper. And you're just watching this guy every day. And like you said, it looks like he's not trying. I don't really think there's a ton of effort. I, I just I, I don't know if that's maybe his personality or what it is. It just doesn't look like he tries back there. He just kind of you know half. I, I guess half-heartedly tries to catch the ball. You know, you, you see a, you see a curveball that's running to the outside corner. He just kind of moves his glove over slowly. Reaches and if it, across and his if body. It, if it goes behind him, oh well. That's like what what it seems like to me. I don't see a lot of effort there, and I don't know if that's true or it's just the way he plays. I don't know. And there's there's no help. There's no help. There's, there's, no there's help. nobody. Yeah. I mean, Brett Cumberland. Maybe he could, I don't know what Brett Cumberland's defense is like. Not good. Right. Um, I actually the the first time I found that out was when I asked Jason Lockenfora on the show when he was on because I know he's very into that. You know, he's he's seen Brett Cumberland a bunch. I hadn't seen him too much. Jason Lockenfora said his defense is just about terrible. Yeah. Um, so so there's no help. Right. There, there's no help because a guy that's hitting two thirty nine in the AAA isn't going to come up and suddenly hit two eighty exactly. at the major exactly. league level. So uh, it's. Whatever. Or just man. Wait, just wait for Adley Rutschman. We're, and, just, and, we're just the countdown you know, is on, and they got to sign a free agent catcher in the offseason. It should be priority one. Uh, yeah, priority I, one. I, I help your young pitchers. Give them someone to throw the ball to who receives and frames. It just it has to happen. Stan was was clamoring for that all offseason. He was. He was. He, he, he Mike was, Zunino. He was he, on the Mike Zunino yep. train all offseason. Zunino's Jeff having, Mathis. Having, yeah, somebody that can come in and lead a pitching staff. Right. Right. Somebody. Right. It ain't Severino. Clearly, it wasn't Cisco. Not wins. It's not because wins. he can't hit the ball either. Yeah. So it's it's, it's um yeah it's a black hole. But this is this is one of the the parts of the rebuild that's just really really hard to watch. You know, I I, I can watch Ryan Mountcastle strike out three times in the night, but I can't watch Austin wins. Remember, I, I, or Pedro Severino, whoever it is. Remember how doe-eyed and wide-eyed we were at the beginning of the year. We yeah. were so excited because we thought that this team might win 70, 75 games, and uh, we had reason to believe that. I think like we we did, we did have legitimate reason. We 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 did not. No one foresaw uh, Dean Kramer being as bad as he's been this year, or and Aiken not making the rotation right. out of spring training, right. or. Zach Louther coming up and getting his opportunity and getting torched. Nobody exactly. saw. Um, it's gone worse than we, Austin we expected. Hayes batting two thirty eight. Right. Anthony Santander batting two forty four. That's Sim the most surprise. Two seventy on base for Santander. That's just and especially terrible. when he led the team in on base percentage and walks in spring training. Yep. It's like he just got away from it. You know. Yep. But 
Whatever, man. We got to get out of here. We will see you next week on the Battle Round. Going to try and get some guests uh, in the coming weeks. So they're going to be able to give us some draft talks. So t- stay there tuned for that as we approach the uh, the July 11th Major League Draft. Until then, as always, thanks for tuning into the Battle Round. We'll see you next week. See ya.